This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the NXT Rundown. And as you can hear by my voice, I do not have flaming red hair, and I have a much larger penis. I am not Ginger. It is Jason <laughs> sliding into the host chair here tonight. Ginger is taking care of some personal stuff, and uh, hopefully... Everything goes well, and we'll see him back on the uh, Rundown Network very, very soon. But in his absence, none of you want to listen to me go solo because that shit sucks. So I went out and recruited some help for tonight. Sitting in the NXT chair for it's been, it's been fairly recently you were here, right? Uh, John is here. John, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. It has been fairly recently, and uh, fun fun fact about me is I don't like squash matches. Okay. Well, I remember the last time you were on, I think you hated pretty much everything on the show, so hopefully you enjoyed this one just a little bit better, but <laughs> all the way from the main streets of Tijuana, we are joined by the AEW man himself, Sal. What's going on, bud? Jason, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Oh, I'm hanging in there been a while it's been it a while has. since we had a chance to podcast it you know has. i, I gotta know. tell what? you man you, you had me worried so so i personally called the kfc in woburn right and i was yeah, like hey yeah. do you guys have chicken and they were like yeah they're like we're not like those people out in the sticks and i'm like oh, yeah. all right yeah yeah <laughs> second largest city in the fucking state but yeah we're in the sticks anyway uh so um. Moving forward. Uh, so, Sal, you want to fill in the uh, the good folks at home as to why you're here tonight and not dynamiting with Adam? Yes, because AEW is debuting their newest show this Friday night with two or three, maybe three, world title matches. Um, and we're going to talk about that on Saturday night so that we'll talk about this week's Dynamite and the first episode of Rampage. This Saturday night on Adam's Twitch, we'll we'll be live uh, streaming that as well. Also, that is interesting that you said that because we'll talk about AEW's newest show just a little bit later in the news section. But how how's things been personal in life, uh, Sal? Anything, anything interesting going on? Any good stories? We uh, we got a dog today. Really? Well, a puppy, a little puppy. Nice. He's boy or girl. 
uh, is a boy. He's going to be huge because he's an Australian Shepherd. Ooh, yeah, good luck. But he's um, actually he's uh, a service dog because my wife, who's a type one diabetic, um, when they get when the pups get a little bit older, you can train them to notify you when your blood sugar goes low. Okay, that's a thing. And I was like, wow, yeah, absolutely, because. You know, type 1 diabetes fucking sucks. Ask Kyle O'Reilly. So, yeah. For sure. Um, but he's the cutest fucking thing. He really is. Because he's just a little puppy now. Nice. Do, do, do we have a name? Oakley. Oakley. All right. How did you get to that name? I didn't come up with that, please. That was okay. that was the missus. <laughs> My wife's been, been forever harping on me. She wants to get a second dog. Um, and I told her, we can we can only get a second dog under one condition. And she said, what? And I said, it has to be a beagle. And she's like, why? And I said, because we got to name it William Beagle. So. <laughs> and she, she even found that joke funny. Anyway, uh, John, what's been going on with you, pal? Uh, not too much, really. Just working and uh, having unexpected, uh, ill-defined uh, expenses pop up. That means mean I have less money than I thought I did. So, yay. Oh, you know it's what's funny? Stuff. It says something about myself that when you started saying that, you're like, and I just started to have more un. And I thought you were going to say unprotected sex. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, good on you, pal. I guess that's whatever works for you. Um, I had be a better day. Than what I have happening. <laughs> I had a day. I had to go into my office. One of those one day a week. I go into my office on Thursday, so I go. I went in there today, and uh, it's been this project I've been working on for my boss for the last last week or so, trying to figure out a way to make something happen that he needs to have happen. That's not sort of a normal process. So I figured it out, I got it to run, and it's basically a file he needs me to get. So I got, like, a bunch of them, but it's the same process for different files. So I got the file to run, I got the first one downloaded, no problem. So then I get the second one, finishes, and I'm ready to download it, and it's fucking thin. It's downloaded, it's like about an hour and a half before I'm supposed to leave for the day, so I'm like, all right, I should have enough time to do this. So I started to download, and it's running. And I'm watching it, and it's one of those typical Microsoft downloads. So for anybody who's an, a Mac guy maybe doesn't know, uh, if you ever watch those little, like, green lines that tell you something's installing or do it, like, from Microsoft, those are all bullshit because <laughs> they will literally go from two hours to five minutes and in the blink of an eye. So this one's just jumping up, and it's like three days, 15 minutes, 20 hours, 45 minutes. Like, it's just jumping all over the place. All right, whatever. It's, I knew how long the first one took, so I had an idea of how long this was going to take. So it gets to about 12 minutes remaining, or 15 minutes remaining, or whatever, and it's 5 o'clock, and I'm ready to leave, and I'm like, motherfucker, all right, well, fine. At this point, it would be stupid to stop it, and I'll just wait the 15 minutes or whatever. So I wait the 15 minutes, and then it's still got, like, another 10 minutes, because it jumped up again. I'm like, all right, fine. Well, it got frozen at one point, temporarily, and then it continued. So, okay, so I'm waiting another 10 minutes, fine, whatever. So this gets to be about 5, 5.30-ish. And then it fucking cancels on itself. Because the place, the drive that it was writing to got disconnected somehow. So now I have to fucking re-download it all over from scratch. Anyway, so I was not happy this afternoon with that at all. No, no, that doesn't nope. sound like a good time. Um, no point, no. On a similar note, it, it almost sounds like what happens to me sometimes when I try to upload the AEW rundown. Oh, my God. Not, not to that level, but um, where it's, you know, oh, it's it's almost done. It's almost done uploading. And then, it, you know, from Audacity or, like, 
and then all of a sudden it will start to say like not responding and then it will just stop and I'm like the fuck <laughs> in Audacity's defense Adam puts everyone to sleep so probably just, <laughs> just kidding love you Adam anyway uh, all right, so enough about us, because you guys didn't listen, you didn't tune in to listen to us talk about us, and none of our stories were particularly funny. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk, we're going to try to make you laugh, we're going to try to entertain you just a little bit by talking about some NXT stuff. But before we get there, we are going to take a swing by the news desk, a couple brief items and a couple big ones, so we'll we'll spend the, the appropriate amount of time on those. And I'm going to start with a, just a small news item, because Sal, you said that this Friday, AEW's newest show debuts on TNT. And I have to correct you, sir, because it was announced today that AEW's newest show will debut on Wednesday, September 29th, because that is when Roads to the Top debuts on TNT, the reality show centered around Brandy and Cody Rhodes. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to cover that as part of AEW Rundown. Uh, It's going to be really interesting to hear your takes on Cody taking the dog for a walk, uh, Brandy going for a manicure. Uh, I'm sure some hilarity will ensue somewhere along the way. I can tell just by the look on your face, Sal, you are super pumped for Roads to the Top. I am. Do you know why? Why is that? Because I'm announcing right now on the NXT Rundown that I'm going to cover it, and I'm going to force Adam to cover it. And that's the thing that makes it all worth it, because he'll hate every second of it, and it will just be hilarious to me. Well, so here's the problem <laughs> for that. I also happen to have it on fairly good authority that there is the possibility that a Roads to the Top recap show will take the place of Twat Magic since the Twats have decided to never do another podcast again. So uh, you may be competing for who's going to cover that show, Sal. And I did not think we'd have people actually fighting <laughs> over covering <laughs> The Cody Rhodes reality <laughs> show, but here we find ourselves. See, the, the fuck the, new. The best thing is, a weird fucking year, man. <laughs> Dude, the best thing is, neither myself nor Troy want to cover it because we actually want to watch it. We just think it'll be great content, right? Exactly. Uh, so, John, on a scale of all to fucking poke a needle in my eye, how many hours of Roads to the Top do you think you're going to watch? Um, if that ends up being part of the process of uh, getting on AEW Rundown. I've done my last episode of AEW Rundown. <laughs> You're not, 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 not interested in, in seeing what's going on with the home life of the Rhodes no, family? I, I, I'm willing to suffer through being the elite. Kind of. Um, as willing as I... Uh, but no, that I, I'll draw the line there. Uh, fuck that shit. See, I actually like Miz and Mrs., but I think the Miz on that show is sort of an endearing character and personality. I don't know that I will ever find Cody endearing, because Cody and Brandy come across as just so thirsty for attention. Um, Like, just pushing, like, please follow me, please look at me, please pay attention to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Including with getting a reality show, because it's like, oh, well, Miz has one. And and we want to be – they just are so desperate to be stars outside of wrestling. And it's funny because that's all the same shit that people kill the WWE for is trying to make their guys stars outside of wrestling and expand past their core fan base. So I don't know. It's a little weird that, uh, that Cody is so gung-ho about it. But you have a weird look on your face, Sal. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just thinking um... – <laughs> Just farting? No. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> I I was thinking that a lot of the times the WWE like superstars like John Cena like they find their own endeavors. They don't need the WWE to set up for them. Huh. That's true. I mean? Well, I mean, usually the first one like was it the uh, was nine round? No, the Marine was John Cena's first movie. That was true. Movie yeah, so they did. They put I mean, him in they, films. They, they get their foot in the door with the that, WWE. Okay, project, all right, think. that's fair. I mean, it yeah. didn't work out for Stone Cold, but that's all right. We still have the condemned. Um, no, sometimes and sometimes in John Cena or The Rock's case it works, and sometimes in the case of Paige here for the holidays it doesn't work out. <laughs> what do you do? It happens. Speaking of which, I I have a question for John uh, because Paige was in that movie with Miz, wasn't she? Yeah, Paige here for the holidays. Okay, John, have you ever watched an episode of Miz and Mrs.? I have not. No. See. I was I was thinking that was, might be a show we need to add to the rundown wrestling. Yeah, because I'm, I'm totally cool with you not watching the Brandy and Cody show, but like, yeah, I want to see you review Ms. and Mrs. <laughs> this could be that could be levels of like Troy having to review uh, fucking Talking Shop and Mania too, <laughs> <laughs> where John just hates everything as he has to spend. But at least that's only a half hour. Troy had to do like two and a half hours. On that's that fair. Show. It's thirty minute episode, and that's what commercials. So. You could bang out a whole bunch. You could watch seasons. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds that sounds like a delight. John and Mrs. Mrs. Like Dad's that. on there. There you go. <laughs> no reaction whatsoever from John. That was great. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, moving on past that. Um, so let's get to the big news of last week, because you guys haven't really had an opportunity on our airwaves to talk about this. Troy and I had an in-depth discussion, so I'll, I'll reserve the floor basically to you guys. But uh, during Friday Night SmackDown this past week, uh, the story broke like fucking smack dab in the middle of the fucking show. Uh, <clears throat> there was a big batch of releases from NXT, including the names of Bronson Reed, Leon Ruff, Tyler Rust, Mercedes Martinez, Bobby Fish, Ari Sterling, Jake Atlas, Kona Reeves, Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangier, Stephen Smith, and Desmond Troy, a.k.a. Desmond Desjarnet. So Troy and I talked about this a lot, and if you're interested in my take in depth, go check out the WWE Rundown from this past week. But let's start with Sal, because you've been a big NXT follower for a long time, like myself. Uh, what were your, what was your impression when you first heard this list? Besides, you guys are fucking with me. But once you found out we weren't fucking with you, what were your thoughts? It was very confusing, because... Um you know, like you said, we've been watching NXT pretty much since the inception. And there was never a time in previous uh, years in NXT that they were putting people on TV with storylines, and then all of a sudden the next day they were gone. You know what I mean? So that, that was just... Very WWE thing. Yeah. And... and Just ask um, Alistair Black. Look, I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a different opinion today than I was like when I first found out about it about it. Cause when I first found out about it, I'll admit it. I was like, what the fuck, what the hell is going on? But then like, I thought about it and I was like, I mean, it, it's it supposedly in, in corporate's eyes, it's a fucking developmental system. So, uh, you're not going to get used. You're not going to get used. You're not going to get used. So like, I understand some of them. Like there's a lot of them like Kona Reeves. I, I totally get, you know what I mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? Listen, 
We will not. I, you're a guest on this fucking show, Sal. On this show, we will not disparage the name, the good name of the finest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like Bobby Fish, like uh, I don't know. I've said it when he came back. I was like, Ugh, he doesn't look really that great. Mm. He's not a singles wrestler at this point in his career. No, no, and maybe because I got used to him in Red Dragon, but. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Who was the other big names on that NXT list? Uh, Leon Ruff. No, Tyler no Rust. I, said big, I said big names. <laughs> Tyler Rust, uh, Mercedes, uh, Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas was disappointing. I always, I thought that that kid had talent. Yeah. And he seemed like he was. Um, he was there. He was, you know, he wasn't in that many storylines, but he had a few, and he was on TV. And I don't know. I thought Jake Atlas was a guy they were invested in. So this is a really, really bad sign for um, Legato del Fantasma. Probably true. Because I'm, I'm just saying, if you go through the list, uh, Swerve Scott's last three programs, uh, <laughs> Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas, and Leon Ruff. Just saying. Total <laughs> coincidence, I'm sure. Um John, what did you think with this list coming out? Did anything surprise you? or? Um, despite the fact that I'm not a particularly big fan of his, uh, Bronson Reed surprised me because, mm-hmm. you know, there was the rumblings of him having a tryout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Apparently it didn't fir- go well. Yeah, that was my first thought. I was like, how bad was that tryout? Because he seems like exactly the kind of guy that Vince would like. Right. So, like, that he had that platform and then got released made me think, oh, maybe he didn't impress them that much. Right. Um... So, you know, it's he seemed like someone they had plans for. Mercedes, you guys covered that. That was just the fucked up situation, like right. where she's recovering from like like you said, being put in with someone who arguably shouldn't be working matches. Um and just to be cut in the middle of that that healing process is seems not great. Yeah. But then a lot of the a lot of the names like uh not not to uh to once more disparage uh the finest, but I also <laughs> was like uh, Conor Reeves. Uh, I that was that was my uh, reminder that Conor Reeves worked for uh for the WWE was uh, finding out that he no longer did. Um, and we are as, not here for the finest slander. Trust me, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, uh, but as someone who uh who is not as uh like locked into the indie indie scene as everyone else on the network. Uh, some, some of the names I don't really know particularly well. So like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there were some talented people who lost, lost their jobs, but I personally did, wasn't aware of some of them. Yeah. And I think it sort of goes to, we talked about with AG, some of these guys on this list, you feel like they never really got a chance to showcase what they could do, um, before they just went, okay, enough of that. So that always sucks. Um, that feels that odd have... as a cost-cutting measure, too, because how much could those guys be making? Right, and that's sort of the other point. It's like, I think this doesn't have much to do with the finances. It probably has more to do with clearing out roster spots and shaking things up, in which, when you make sense, when you look at this list, is Leon Ruff ever going to be a main roster superstar? No. Probably not. No. If Bronson Reed, Bronson Reed, we thought was. So if if that you know tryout, like you said, went that bad, then they may have just decided, okay, it's like, um, Tyler Rust, probably never going to be a main event superstar. No. Uh, Mercedes Martinez came up and asked to go back. That's never a great 
look, look to management. It's true. It's true. Um, I totally understand why she but <laughs> Right, but at um, the same time, they're going to remember something like that. But once you're not bringing Undisputed Era up as a group, is Bobby Fish coming up as no. a solo guy and having any impact? Probably not. And that, 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 to me, is probably more what this list is about, is looking at guys that are taking up spots on the roster in NXT that really just aren't going to ever progress past NXT. And I sort of can understand the idea of, listen, the point of this is to, this is our, our farm system, to build the next generation of stars for the main roster. And if these guys are never going to be on that, and we have other guys that can be the guys that help develop the guys who are, then we sort of don't need these guys. Yeah. Now, Mercedes, I think, and, and Troy made this point, I think he's 100% correct. That that surprised me a little bit, for obviously for the health reasons, but also for the fact that even if you're not going to call her up to the main roster, she is a great fucking coach slash, like, developer talent for the other women who you might call up. Um, sort of an in-ring, like a player coach, if you will. Um, but like, uh, what the fuck was his name? Uh, Cash Zona? What he was? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same, same idea. Uh, but they released him too. So what the fuck do I know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't think there's a ton of, and I hate to say it cause I hate to see anybody lose their jobs, obviously, but in terms of like main roster, I don't think there's any loss to this list for the main roster of WWE. And I think that's probably why these names are on this list. That's just my, my take I, on I, it. The only thing too, um, the one person I, I kind of disagree with you about is Reed because you you had, in my opinion, catchphrase, um, merch. You know what I mean? Like I thought there was something there. Not like he's going to okay. main event WrestleMania, but like he could okay. be on SmackDown. Sure, but again, he had the tryout. Right, so they were right, right, right. On looking at him. Yeah, no, that's fair. Then the interesting part, and we'll talk about this guy in a little bit, but. Last week, we had a tryout for Odyssey Jones. Yep. And if you're looking at athletic big men who have some star quality, of those two, one stands out <laughs> yeah. and the other does not. Yeah. That's so true. I wonder if those two things, the juxtaposition of those two, had anything to do with it, too. Who knows? Yeah, we will see. That's, that's fair. But, but the other uh, thing, too, about the releases, and it is kind of more overall, it's just... Look, like we've said it a billion times, me and you specifically have watched this product for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. And we've never, I mean, they've never had this large of a roster, but we've never seen this many cuts in a 12-month period. So you start hearing rumors of sale, and you're just like, oh my god, what if the McMahons didn't own the WWE and they sell it to, like, Dairy Queen or something? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's fucking scary. As I much as I trash the McMahon's, Universal. So, well, yeah, that's even worse because. Uh, but then they, they would have to tab somebody who's there to sort of run the thing. So is that where Hunter and, and Stephanie would sort of take over? Maybe things would be different. Who the yeah, hell knows? That, that's sort of where I'm at. I'm like, maybe not having Vince at the top of that structure would be good. It's like, possible. Or maybe they go and hire a guy. Uh, like WCW did that time, who has no wrestling experience and was the owner of a pizza chain. Uh, they, they did pretty well with that guy, though, didn't they? No. <laughs> Fuck, what was it? Jim Hurd. That was his name. Oh, I thought you were talking about Bischoff. No. <laughs> Jim, Bischoff wasn't the king of a fucking Pizza Hut foot chain. <laughs> well, Jim Hurd was never really designed to be a wrestling guy. Like he was No, he was just in guy. charge. So but that, he had wrestling guys running the wrestling stuff, and he was just handling the bottom line business stuff. 
So I know a lot about Comcast, NBC, Universal, and you don't want them running anything. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I've heard Adam's stories. All right, <laughs> so moving on. Uh, I shared the story in the host thread, but I want to have a little discussion here on it. Um, so. Did you ever find yourself wondering deeply in the heart of your, in, in the soul of your body, why, when Maria Canales stopped loving working for the WWE, John? Was that something that ever occurred to you? Not even a little bit. Uh, oh. On the list of things that I don't care about, Maria Canales' opinions on anything is fairly high up on that list. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk about it anyway, uh, because she did an interview with uh, Cage Side uh, Seats, and... They asked her when she sort of shied away from her love for wrestling, or she's offered it unsolicited. I'm not really sure. I haven't listened to the whole interview. <laughs> uh, but she did say, quote, it was the whole, talking about WrestleMania 35, uh, it was the whole day. It used to be that when you got to the building at WrestleMania, you knew exactly where your family was going to go. You were able to show them why you've been away all year, why you haven't been coming home, why you missed Christmas or Thanksgiving or birthdays, whatever. You were able to really give your family a VIP treatment, and they didn't have that. It was all about the sponsors. They had their arena and then whatever else, but for the wrestlers themselves, there was no place for our families to go. I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this attitude towards my family. My daughter was actually stuck outside with my mother-in-law and my nanny for 45 minutes before I was able to even get them into the building because it was so far away to get security down there. What ended up happening is the person doing my makeup had to go and get my family. So much wrong with this uh, sentence, but there's another there's another section we'll talk about in a minute. But do you have any sympathy here from Maria? So I didn't want to come off like a fucking caveman because my initial reaction is, "What a bitch!" Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then I was like, okay, I'm not a wrestler, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it's like to be on the road 300 days a year, like, I don't know, maybe she was, you know, put out by that, like, maybe if other wrestlers are also feeling the same way, then it's, like, not cool, but I'm like, but she's the only one I've ever heard complain about this, ever. Also, uh... She wouldn't know what it's like to be on the road 300 days, at least in her last stint, because she was barely on the road during her last stint with the company, because she had two separate maternity leaves for which she got paid. That's a good point. And, of course, the rumor is that she was already pregnant when she signed, knew it, withheld it, and then dropped it on them after the fact so that they pay her for the maternity leave. So that's a rumor. I can't confirm that. That is something that has circulated. Now, I'm sure they'll deny it, or she'll deny it, but it's out there. Uh, John, anything in this uh, thing stick out to you at all? Uh, it mostly just reeks of someone who just is in a position of privilege and is mm-hmm. really inflating like things that, you know, if that was enough to sort of sour you on the entire experience of wrestling, I'm not sure how invested you were in the first mm-hmm. place. If it's about the VIP treatment for your family and things like that, as opposed to, I don't know. Getting in the ring and telling a fucking story or something. All right. Um, well, you know what? So that brings up a good point because um, I think we kind of saw it right in her first run in WWE. She went from like happy to be here to after Playboy. All of a sudden, she was like, "I'm entitled to stuff." Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like that's when she changed. Yeah. 
as oh, like a shit. person. She became now, like very fucking uh, cunty, for lack of a better if, term. If you recall, <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the timeline lines up. I believe that Mike Canales was released from his deal, or Mike Bennett, I should say, um, prior to Maria, because Maria was still on maternity leave at the time Mike was released. So she was still drawing a paycheck at the time that uh, that Mike was released. And I believe originally his public comments were all, you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity WWE gave me, and, you know, I... I was able to do a lot for my family because of the money I made there and the friends I made there, et cetera, et cetera. Fast forward to when Maria gets released, and ever since then, it's gotten the stories from Mike and comments from Mike have gotten more and more negative and combative and aggressive. And um, you got to wonder if, if she's sort of influencing his anger, if that makes sense. Mm. Not, that a, not that a wife has ever done that in the history of the world. <laughs> Ever, uh, ever, no. ever. Not a thing that happens, but uh, the one that just sort of tickled me, and so you talked about the word entitled, which I think is sort of great here. What ended up happening is the person doing my makeup had to go and get my family. Fucking peon, makeup person, go do my <laughs> bidding and get my family for me. What because, the fuck is that shit? Because the if you're fucking so company. fucking concerned about your goddamn family, how about you go handle your own family business? Yeah. Right. Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> so anyway, the next this, this conversation continues. Uh, it made me sad to think that wrestlers were no longer the ones that were special. It was the sponsors and the free giveaways to the VIPs. They all had rooms. But the talent's family, the families that have sacrificed the most, had nowhere to go. And then when they did get in the building, they didn't have a backstage area. They had seats like up in the stands that they couldn't even really see that well. It was cold and there was just nowhere for them to go. I want to give all the fans such a great experience throughout the entire year. But for my family, I want to give them the VIP treatment at WrestleMania and I wasn't able to. So fuck the fans at WrestleMania. That's her strategy. Yeah. I just That's realized that when playing. she said WrestleMania 35, it was the one outside in New York. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, why was it cold? And I was like, oh, all right. Now I'm getting it. Okay. Um, I'm sure a lot of people were fucking cold that day, dude. And they didn't have fucking famous wrestlers as family members. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Also, it's outside in New York. Bring a fucking coat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she continues, the reason I was fired the first time from WWE was because I asked for too much. I asked for more money. I asked to be paid as much as the guys were being paid. So really, my views <laughs> haven't changed that much. What's changed is the way I put information out there now. I have a lot bigger platform now with Twitter and Instagram and all these things than I did the first time around with just Twitter. Okay. So, Sal, you brought up a good point. I'll let you bring it up on the show in just a moment, but I am going to put this out here because I, I brought this up and John I don't know if you caught this discussion in the host thread earlier um, now I am right now all for the notion that the women should make a very close to if not same amount as the men on the roster uh, Sasha, Charlotte, Becky those girls bust their asses out there um, they're, they're main eventing Wrestlemania's they're a big draw to the show I have no issues with that I want you to rewind your mind 
and go back to when Maria Canellis was first employed with the WWE, what the women's division looked like, what that division brought to the table, and tell me if you think she should be making the same amount of money as The Undertaker was back then. I'll do or Kurt one. Angle, or John Cena, or Stone Cold Steve Austin. Dude, I'll do she you was, one She was asking for that, is what she's saying here. I'll do you one better. Not even when she started. When she was at her Thanks, peak. John! She, she uh, debatably doesn't I even I told deserve, John like... to answer, and you jumped in. You didn't let John talk. <laughs> Sorry. John's but, yeah, a fucking guest say, uh... here. Show some respect. <laughs> Um, like, I don't, uh, in her second run, I, I, I could see maybe, like, paying her as much as Tucker, like, uh, first run, like, yeah, like you're saying, like, the women's division wasn't what it is now, and granted, you know, you could probably make the argument that, like, they could have been a bit better about getting it to where it is, but the, the reality of the situation is, if it wasn't there, why would she be making as much as even fucking Chris Masters, much less, uh, the Undertaker, or uh, right. you know, any any of the top guys. Now, to be fair, I don't know that she meant the top guys. That's just the sort of the sort of how it reads in the article. Sure, but, sure. Um, she may have very well been talking about just sort of like the lower end talent. Like I don't know, commensurate with with the impact on the show that the women's division had at that point. But it it, it brought up an interesting point that Sal made. And Sal, would you like to share with with people what that point was? Um. Let's see here. About her saying that's why she got fired the first time around? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, so in this article, she said, that's why I got fired, because I wanted more money, which is interesting, because she has gone on many podcasts, especially after her first run, and said that she got fired because of the Bellas. And the Bellas kind of forced her out the door and talked all this shit behind her back and got people to hate her. But I thought you just said it was because you asked for more money. So was it the Bellas, or was it because you asked for more money? <laughs> or are you just making it all up? That too, because look, and and we were watching very, you know, I don't want to say intently. Uh, <laughs> we were watching every week back then. Was Maria? Did Maria ever progress to even like where Michelle McCool was in the ring? Nope. nope. She, no, like, she, she was pretty basic. Little, I've only seen a little bit of her stuff, but she seemed like she was there because she was cute. Yeah. Well, I've got the Playboy. I've seen all of her stuff. Yes. Um, <laughs> but she she never was, like, a good wrestler. Like, she never put it... She never got better. No. no. So, I mean... <laughs> and she was never really even used that much as a valet. So she was... She started doing interviews at one point, I think, towards the end. It's like, you want to be paid as much as the men for doing backstage interviews? Like, really? I don't know. Uh, the whole article was just very weird to me, but I thought it was worth at least sharing so you guys could uh, could mention it. But uh, another another thing that came out today that is far more interesting, we've talked in the past, and I know Sal and I have had this conversation, I think, on this very NXT rundown a couple times. Something happened to Keith Lee, and we didn't know what it was, but even when he returned, we all sort of speculated he didn't look like he was in his normal shape, but he looked like he hadn't been able to work out. We had speculated. It sounded a lot more, and despite the IWC's claims that he was just being buried by Vince, we speculated, and I made reference several times, 
it struck me as, as a health thing. And the fact that nobody was talking about it struck me as a health thing. Um, today, Keith Lee came out on his, on YouTube and let everyone know, guess what? It was a health thing. Uh, apparently, prior or following one of his matches on TV against Matt Riddle, uh, he got flagged that something strange had come up in his blood test. Uh, and as it turned out, he had a heart issue that may or may not have been related to his bout with COVID. Um, he then spoke about the IWC in sort of loose terms without specifically naming them, uh, talking about people, you know, being very mean online to Mia Yim uh, and suggesting that she was the reason he got COVID and blah, blah, blah. Uh, to which he said, you know, she got COVID from me because she refused to not take care of me when I had it. And if not for her, I don't know that I would be alive right now. Um, so that's why you are all twats uh, who said anything <laughs> to him about that. Um, I'd also like to say for everybody that shit on WWE for quote-unquote burying Keith Lee, you can go fuck yourselves. Um, because here's the thing. And, oh, he should be in AEW. They know how to use him. If he was in AEW, he might be dead right now because there's no way they'd have pulled him out of the ring for this and told him to stay the fuck home. He'd have been out there wrestling. And how do I know this? How do I know this, guys? Because I watched Matt Hardy fall 20 feet, slam his head off concrete, and then get the okay to just go back in the ring and finish a match and climb a fucking scaffold. Yeah. So that's how I feel fairly confident in saying AEW Medical would not have A, caught this, and B, if they did, thought it was a big enough deal to pull him off the road. WWE, for all people want to say, they medically, for the most part, try to take care of their talent. Yeah. Oh, great. So uh, what, what what do you guys think about the whole Keith Lee thing here? So it's really scary because, like you said, we talked about it on the on the NXT Rundown a few weeks ago that, you know, you had mentioned specifically it's starting to remind me of Brody. Mm-hmm. And that was very scary to think about because, you know, you specified when you told the story that it, it was a health concern it wasn't injury because usually they'll tell you he right. pulled a tricep he's you know he had knee right. surgery whatever but the fact that people weren't saying anything yeah it's it's fucking scary you, you and know. the fact that Mia Yim was pulled off TV at about the same time and hadn't come back as well right so um, I'm really glad he's okay number yes. one that's the first thing like because that really fucked up and I have a child with a heart condition so um, we've been trying so hard to, you know, the past 18 months to make sure she's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank God he's okay. Um, I knew he wasn't getting buried. I knew that was never the case because right. he went from a program with Randy Orton to all of a sudden he was gone and it was right when he got COVID. So, and this falls in line with so much of what's happened with Keith Lee because, Everybody on the internet seems to think they know everything that's going on. So when Keith Lee comes out in the Dragon Ball Z costume, it's, oh, my God, Vince is trying to bury him, look, they're making him look like an idiot. And then he comes out and goes, chill, motherfuckers. This is my idea. I wanted to do this. I'm a fan of the fucking show. Like, It's just a continuation of, of this sense that people know everything that goes on behind the curtain when they don't because their sources – are a bunch of people who are oftentimes just throwing shit against the wall. Yeah, but... <laughs> okay, I, I admit completely that fans are dumb. 
and fans are very fucking judgmental. And they're most of the time not good people. But has anybody ever told them not to listen to Dave Meltzer? Has anybody ever told them not Every to listen? Every single episode of a show on the Rundown Wrestling Network. <laughs> no, us. Yeah, us. But Meltzer. I'm talking about like. In fact, in fact, I'm going to pump this one more time. If you want to hear me really go off on the quote unquote wrestling journalists, go check out this week's episode of uh, WWE Rundown because I had a very lengthy conversation with Troy and explained exactly why uh, these journalists do what they do. But, but dude. This okay, and maybe because you've been involved in this business for too long, right? Do you know what it's like to talk to civilians about wrestling? Yes, they. I have it, social media. Okay, no, no, no. I meant like in person. Like if you run into like a buddy who's like, "Hey, I heard this thing about wrestling," right? I avoid it if I can, honestly. Really? Okay. Yes. So I, <laughs> I have I have a few friends that are like casual wrestling fans, right? Yeah. They, they don't watch every single week. They might watch the pay per views, whatever. And they'll they'll text me and they'll be like, "Hey, um, I heard that uh, that Vince sold the company to Saudi Arabia." And I'm like, "What? What the fuck are you talking about?" He's like, well, "I don't know. This thing said this, and I was on my." So I'm like, first of all, don't believe everything you read on the internet." Right. But like, that's what the the people who aren't like the diehards. I'm pretty sure they just like. You know, they'll they'll peruse a website and they'll be like, huh, John Cena died. Crazy. And just, like, keep going. <laughs> right. Because they're casual fans. That's that's my problem. Like, the diehards, they have no excuse. They're just fucking right. cultists. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, John, your uh, your thoughts on the whole Keith Lee situation? Um, I, I would echo the sentiment that glad that he's alright. And, like, when he got... If... When he got that win over Cross, it felt like that was, like, big for him. Bigger than, like, a random victory on Raw should be. Like, watching his body language and stuff, mm-hmm. it felt like that was a big step. So, like, this coming out in the aftermath of that, it made it all sort of line up and make a lot more sense. And, yeah, just sit, watching that video is kind of, you know... I. I've always been lukewarm on on Keith Lee from a promo perspective. I, I understand a lot of people really like the sort of stylized way that he delivers things, but it doesn't grab me. But like watching that and watching the person mm-hmm. makes makes me want to root for him, and like right. I want to see him bounce back and like you know just do whatever it is he can, and hopefully you know be back on the path because he was about to pick up a title before. Probably, you know. yeah. yeah. He he was the one that was going to be supposed to win that US title, title triple yeah. threat, yeah. Um, so hopefully he can, you know, just get back on track and do whatever, achieve whatever he can. You know? Right. Oh, exactly. I agree 100 percent. All right. Well, that's going to do it for my news, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about. Uh, no. <laughs> Can't think right. of anything. There is one more news item we will address later, but you'll understand uh, when we get to that point in the show. So. Let's begin talking about this week's edition of NXT. And as per usual, we start with a recap of the last few weeks and most of the matches leading up to the upcoming takeover, which is, God, it's just a week from Sunday. God, I didn't even realize we were coming up on it that fast. I mean, SummerSlam is a week from Saturday, which is crazy. Which, Um, yeah, that's weird that takeover is going (laughs) to follow SummerSlam. Well, usually usually the WWE events have a hard time following TakeOver, so this time that won't be an issue. So, we start by heading out to the ring, and we see the music 
and the Titantron of Dakota Kai, and Dakota makes her way out, and all I can think at that point is... So, uh, <laughs> funny, I thought the same thing. <laughs> no, shut up. Okay, uh, this is followed very quickly by Saray making her way out to the ring. Um, at this point, <laughs> they talk about how Dakota's officially getting her match to take over 36 against Raquel Gonzalez. And for the first time since this happened, I sort of start to wonder... You hear all these stories about changes coming in NXT, and I sort of wonder if maybe they fast-tracked this a little bit, because the turn did seem to sort of come out of nowhere. It had been such a slow build, and then all of a sudden it felt like they put it into overdrive. And it's like two weeks ago these women were coming out to the ring together, and now they're, they're, they've already had the explosion, they've already had the breakdown, and now they're having the match. Did it feel rushed to either of you? Uh, yeah, but not for the reason you're saying. Okay. I, I kind of looked at it like, all right, we want to make TakeOver 36 a big deal. Yep, Dakota's the best option we have for an opponent for Raquel. Because nothing else on this roster feels like built enough right now. Okay. That was that was my thought process. Okay. So it did, like, it, the, the moment felt rushed, but, like, it had been building for long enough that it didn't bother okay. me that much. Oh, it doesn't bother me. It just sort of struck me as a little... So jarring when I thought of it. When you put it in the context of all the rumors swirling about NXT, I was sort of, oh, hadn't sure. thought of it that way. So, anyway, uh, Dakota mocks Raquel and says uh, she's going to beat Saray without having a sidekick with her. So, nice little jab there by uh, by Dakota. Um, at this point, Saray, may- I'm sorry, I should say Dakota was gra- cutting a promo in the ring and then Saray came out. Um, Saray's entrance, let's just talk about this for a second because. This is a woman who needs to figure out how to work a crowd in America because her entire walk to the ring, she alternates between fist pumps and waving for the crowd to make noise. And that's it. It's wooden. It's weird. It's awkward. Uh, She does not look comfortable or charismatic on her way out and something she probably wants to work on. So um, Uh, even before that, I and this might have been a little bit of her New Zealand accent, but. Dakota called her sorry. Not Saray. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm going to beat sorry in just a minute here. And I was mm-hmm. like, she just called her sorry? Like, sorry ass excuse for a wrestler? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. By the way, I'm we have. Sorry, uh... guys. So. <laughs> uh, I'll buy that. Neither am I. Uh, by the way, we're going to have. Uh, we're going to have. This is going to become more evident later, but we are without Beth Phoenix on this night. So it's just Vic Joseph. God help us all, and Wade Barrett. Um, so as we go back to the ring, uh, they go back and forth early on, and I don't know if you guys caught it, but it sort of looked to me like Saray was getting lost in the middle of spots um, because there were a couple times where Dakota looked like she had to do sort of an awkward transition just mm-hmm. to get into the next spot, almost like at, at certain points Dakota would just grab her and fucking turn her around and, like, apply a hold out of nowhere. I was going to say, like, and move her for her because she didn't yes. know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Okay, so it wasn't just me then. Okay. Um, Dakota starts choking her out on the bottom rope, which I got the impression was like the tell her to slow the fuck down spot because it was followed by an immediate, very stiff kick right to the back. 
which is usually the we're sending you a little bit of a message here. Um, Dakota tries multiple different pinfalls. Saray keeps sort of bridging out of them. Uh, Saray gets a schoolgirl, rolls into a half crab, uh, which she pulled on this half crab so hard and fell backwards. And Sal, you'll remember this particularly. I don't know about John if you if this was in your frame of reference, but um, do you remember that that match at SummerSlam between Bret Hart and Kurt Hennig, where Bret had the sharpshooter applied? and, like, slipped and went way too far back with it and severely injured Kurt Hennig's back and almost ended his career. Wait, is that how he hurt his back? Yes, yes. Oh, shit, I thought he was in a car accident. No, that was how he hurt his back. Oh, uh, I remember that spot Originally. vividly, and I didn't uh-huh. know. Now that now I think about the timeline, because then he went to become, you know, executive consultant. Yeah. yeah, and he wasn't wrestling. Yep. Holy shit, learn something every day. Uh, yes, it go. did. It did remind <laughs> me of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, Dakota's flexible and, and shit, but, whew, did not look comfortable. Anyway, uh, so Ray then hits a bunch of stiff shots to Dakota's back as we go to break. When we come back, Kai's going for the pump kick. Saray avoids it, and Kai hits the face wash kick while Saray's laying on the bottom turnbuckle, but only gets two out of the co- cover. Uh, Dakota hits a scorpion kick, which nobody in the business hits a scorpion kick like Dakota Kai. It looks so fucking awesome when she does it. Um, it's a great piece of offense for her. Uh, Saray follows Kai into the ropes with a drop kick. Then Dakota crumbles and lays across that bottom rope. And Saray hits the concussionator, which is that ridiculous, gross, disgusting drop kick she hits while her opponents are across the bottom rope. And it was no less gross on this night. I thought Dakota was really fucked up here. Really? Yeah. See, I I looked at it and I was like, oh, thank God Dakota knows how to take that move. Um, <laughs> it looked if she took it if she took it good, it looked great because her neck snapped back, and that's that's what I worry about. John, what do you think about that move? I fucking hate it. Okay. Yeah, I do hate it. It's just an it's just an invitation to really fuck people up. I don't know, and we've seen so many of these like nasty in ring concussions lately. It feels like that we probably need to stop doing shit like that. But um, anyway, she goes for it a second time. Uh, Kai moves out of the way, and as she's on the mat, uh, as Saray's on the mat, Kai hits an axe kick to the back. At which point Raquel is shown arriving at the arena, looking very pissed off. Uh, carrying her NXT title with her, because that's apparently how people travel. Um, (laughs) Saray hits some poor-looking kicks and then runs into the corner. Dakota follows her with a face-wash kick and then covers her for the pin, and that is the end of the undefeated streak of the Warrior of the Sun. Dakota Kai goes to hit the kick again. At this point, Raquel runs in and chases her off. Uh, We'll get to the post-match stuff after. What did you guys think of the match? Either one. I like Dakota Kai. Okay. (laughs) Um, I thought despite everything you mentioned i thought this was the least bad saray match i've seen okay but i think it would have been better with dakota like going against someone who's good okay uh sal your your thoughts here i thought this was perfect and this is exactly what dakota needed to to have before her match with raquel um not not so much for Saray, like a concussion is exactly what you need to have. No, 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 no. <laughs> what I'm saying is, uh, she called her shot. She cut the promo beforehand. And she was like, "I'm gonna end her undefeated streak," and then she fucking did. And I was like, 
that's exactly what they need to do with Dakota going into this match. Okay. Um, as far um, as Soray goes, I was like, can we not have her on TV now? That'd be great because she's okay. not that good. Um, I had this conversation with Troy a couple weeks ago, uh, and we'll get we'll obviously have next week predictions. But uh, gun to your head, putting money on it, who do you think wins at Takeover? Is it Raquel or is it Dakota? It's Dakota. I also I also think Dakota just because I don't know what else you do with Raquel. I think Raquel's getting called up. Honestly, I think she's a big nasty female performer. I think Vince is chomping at the bit to get more of those up there. Then she'll feud with Charlotte and then lose to Charlotte. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. That was for you, Ginger, because I know you're going to love that line. Uh, <laughs> at this point, Raquel grabs the mic and says Dakota will never be her. She'll have a chance at TakeOver, but Raquel is going to tear her apart. Uh, for Raquel's physical size, her promos are still fairly mediocre. Mm. Not not bad. I've, I've certainly seen worse, but... It's an area she's definitely going to need to improve in if she's going to move up to the main roster. That's all I'm saying. Is it bad that I think that she tries to be like Zelina Vega when she cuts a promo? Might be racist. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. We'll have to to consult with Troy because he's sort of the expert on on, is it racist. Um. but no, it's one, just like, Latin, one Latin woman has to automatically sound like another Latin woman, I guess. Sure. No, when you—that's the thing I'm saying—is that um, Raquel sounds like she, I don't know. She just no. Their voices sound completely different to me. I'm not least, talking know. about the sound of their voices. I'm talking about like the stuff that Raquel's saying. It just doesn't fit like the way her character is right now. See, I, I, I didn't really get that, but get that vibe. for yeah. me, it's just more that like she's not super convincing saying it. Maybe yeah, that's forced. the problem. Is yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. Is she's not like I don't believe a word she's saying. Right. Yeah. No, and that's a problem with with several people. Um, and you can I, I've said this I believe either on AEW or on on one of our shows we were talking about. That's my issue with the Bucks, is that as heels, it just feels like they're trying too hard. It doesn't feel natural at all. It feels like they're just playing characters, and it's not easy to get into it at all. Um, So I I sort of feel the same way a little bit about Raquel here. So we'll see. Uh, Then we go to our first installment of uh, Dexter Loomis Gets It Wet, uh, because we have our preview as we go to the Gargano household. And we find out it is date night for Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell, despite the fact that Loomis lost the lover or loser match. What the fuck was the point of that match? Don't you, <laughs> Do you remember when Shane McMahon fought at WrestleMania 32 and if he beat The Undertaker, he was going to be the general manager Raw? And then he lost. Yeah. And then the yeah. next night, Vince was like, ah, fuck it. You can be the GM anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So before no we go. Else wants the job, so. <laughs> Before we go into this segment, a couple weeks ago, Ginger and I had a, a fairly heated discussion about whether the love her or lose her concept was misogynistic. Uh, he did not believe that it was. Uh, either of you have an opinion on that? Uh, it absolutely is. Okay. Um, uh, and the argument for the stipulation not playing out is it sort of gives the female more agency in the story, I yes. think. But it's okay. still dumb. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I do agree with that. So after the story was told, Indy just did what the fuck she wanted anyway. Right. So that part of it shouldn't be ignored, because if it was just Johnny Wan and now she can't see him anymore, then yeah, that would have been really fucked up. 
Okay. And this this outcome is preferable to Dexter Loomis beating fucking Johnny Gargano. So exactly, yeah. very true. Uh, very that's true. true. Uh, Johnny and Candice are sitting around discussing how they don't like that this is going on. Uh, Johnny says, but they don't want Indy running around half naked in the woods somewhere like Austin Theory. <laughs> um, my initial question is, which half? Yeah, he, he's totally Donald Duck in it. You think? <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm just thinking from an Indy Hartwell perspective, which half is she running around naked? Because that may or may not be something we want. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Although <laughs> uh, they're like they're they're in the like the paternal sort of role, so hopefully they don't want that so much. Yeah, no, but that doesn't mean the viewers don't. Yeah, that was the other that, thing. That's fair. Um, in in slight defense to Ginger in his argument last week, right? This was pushed by Candace. Like she's the one who started this whole shit. The, the lover loser match was actually Indy's idea. I thought it was yeah, Candace. That, no, it was Indy. Uh, Indy, right. Indy brought it up and yeah, it was, was like, idea. "You should give him a chance, but in an accent." You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> John doesn't do accents. <laughs> Insert accent okay. here. <laughs> oh boy! All right. So Dexter at this point arrives, rings the doorbell, and uh, Johnny welcomes him. As him and Loomis have a staring contest, uh, we flash to the bathroom where Candy is helping Indy get ready, uh, and Candace asks Indy if she has protection, at which point Indy does a double bicep in the mirror and says, I'm a former women's tag champ. I don't need any protection. I love that. (laughs) I thought it was fucking hilarious. So, John, as our resident guy who's getting a lot of unprotected sex, apparently, uh, what was your thought on this segment? Did you enjoy this, sir? Of the three, this was the one I liked the most. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, At this point, we cut back to Loomis and Johnny just having a staring contest on the couch. Uh, Johnny then goes full sitcom dad and asks him, what are her intentions with Indy? Of course, he says nothing. He says, all right, fine. You're going to take her out to a nice restaurant, show her a great time, and have her home by 10 o'clock with no funny business. Uh, that's it, and uh, they head out, Indian Dexter do, and then Johnny tells Candace he has GPS on her. Dun, 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 we go to break, and there will be more with the Garganos and Index later on. So, uh, John, you said this was your favorite of these skits on this episode? Yeah. Okay, Sal, did you like this one? Or I liked it, dude. It sounds like you were on the fence about it. I just, it wasn't great for me. Like Some of these... It, it was sort of had vibes of like dinner with the Garganos, and I wasn't a big fan of those. Oh, okay. Either, except, All right, I, I can I can see that now. Yeah, except for the one where Tegan brought the pizza and it was half eaten already. That was the only good dinner with the Garganos <laughs> that they ever did. Um, so we come back from break, and Hit Row is cutting a promo in the back of one of the uh, trucks. Um, they found Dean Ambrose's guys- trash barrel. I, I, guess, I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't seem to me like it's super safe to have a barrel fire going in an enclosed truck like that. But then again, WWE has a dumpster fire in every arena they're in. And they're okay with that. So, um, <laughs> so uh, now I have not had an opportunity, John, since since Hit Row became a big thing. I know you and I have very different opinions on Hit Row. Um, so as this progresses, basically, Top Dollar looks like he's jerking off in the back. Uh, we find out <laughs> later that uh, he's just, I thought he was rolling dice or something. 
Um, it, he was motioning like he was like he was jacking it in the back, which you know he was behind Bfab, so I mean, good on you, bro. Um, but uh, we found out later it was chiclets because he says he's going to knock the chiclets out of their mouth. Um, then Swerve says that they disrespected his culture when they stole his grill, so now he's going to disrespect theirs, and he throws a lucha mask into the dumpster fire that's going on in the back of the truck now. Decent segment. I, I think, like I said, I think Hit Row is good in their promos. I have no issues with that. Uh, John, what did you think of this? I, I didn't hate it, although uh, seeing the trash fire just made me wait for. I was. It brought me back to like Dean's heel turn. I was like waiting for one of them to say that Roman deserved uh, leukemia. That's sort of where my mind was. I'm just like. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, uh, I can see that. But, but I but I thought I thought the promo was fine. I don't have a problem with like most of like Hit Row's presentation and stuff. The cipher I just felt like was too fucking long was my main issue with it. Okay. Like it felt like it was like a third of the show. See, the, in your previous appearances here with Ginger, I got the impression you didn't like Hit Row, and I, I'm so totally. I, I don't think they're they are aimed at me but I, I don't have a problem with their promos and okay. although i fucking i hate top dollars ring gear really yeah yeah oh, see, i sort of love it he looks but, comfy but like, but that's what i'm saying like for a big dude like that like with, with a gimmick of the streets he's got like the basketball gear the one thing i'll give you is i'm not wild about the tights underneath the basketball shorts that looks a little <laughs> weird to me that but i love like I love like the basketball gear and the velour basketball gear. It's such a like pimp thing to me. I I love it. But yeah, like honestly, most of my negative sort of associations with them have just stem from the experience of watching the cipher and how much that didn't land with me. But I also understand that it landed with a lot of people, and not I everything love has the cipher. Been. And not everything has to be for me, you right. know? Like, yeah, I'm, no, that's I'm fine with that. And I guess to me, the thing that I really loved about the Cypher so much is, is we see, and I think I mentioned it here, uh, we see so many of these, like, quote-unquote championship celebrations that here was one that was different, and it was a presentation that we had never seen before in that context, and it was something new and fresh and different. And even if you didn't like it, and I personally enjoyed it, but even if you didn't like it, I just love the notion that they were trying something different, like trying a different way of doing this presentation. Um, and that's one thing I do like about NXT because I don't think WWE tries new things often enough anymore. That's certainly fair. So um, I like the cipher a lot. Yeah. Uh, this this segment was uh, it was it wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't much. That's the thing. Like right. it, was, it was a pretty it, quick it, thing. It, it gave off fucking video game vibe so bad like streets of rage too <laughs> like i don't know it just it, it it definitely felt like um a little cheesy like okay really we're gonna have a fucking barrel fire really and like like john said instantly thought of dean ambrose in that segment <laughs> um and then Didn't i was like have a barrel fire on AEW when like uh santana ortiz fought the best friends in the street fight fucking probably it's okay. it's it's not something that I haven't seen before. Um, but that, to me, was like, really? Like you said, a barrel fire fire in the back of a truck. But the promos, the mm. words themselves were fine. Um, the only person I don't really care for out of the group is um, Ashanti. Because I just feel oh. like he's... And it's not that he's bad, it's just right now he's background. 
he does a lot of the heavy lifting in the tag team matches too. Uh, he's sort of the workhorse on the team. He's the, I, I always think back to with those type of teams, and, and and this is not a knock on Top Dollar, but I always sort of think of like the Haku and Andre the Giant tag team, where it was like Haku would do all the work for like the first <laughs> ten minutes, then one hot tag, and Andre would choke him, headbutt him, and pin him, and that was it. So yeah, that's sort of like the uh, where they're at. And I think Ashante is a really talented worker, and I like the fact that he's finally getting a chance to shine a little bit. So sure, um, we'll see how it goes. But I, I'm I'm all in on on fucking hit row so hit row. I, I hope it continues uh, and i am all in on bfab too uh anyway yeah, i uh, bet you wish you were all in bfab so is she gonna wrestle at some point i don't know I, i'm I, cool I either way <laughs> yeah i mean she, she's wrestling with their <clears throat> jeans every time i think <laughs> he loves um, that fucking sound bite <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing now uh so uh, we go back to the uh, the arena, and Ilya Dragunov is out. Now, John, before we go in here, how familiar were you with Ilya Dragunov here? Not at all. Okay. I, I, and I was curious about that. Sal, I know you've done some uh, t- NXT UKs with Adam, so I'm sure you are get a little familiarity with Dragunov. I've seen him a few times. I watched his match with Walter, etc. Um, so, Sal, you and I have a perspective of having seen this guy before. John. What is your first perspective of Ilya the Dragunov? The music, the presentation, the entrance, the whole deal. I, what What is your first reaction? I've heard so many like glowing things about him, and I was like, "This is that guy." <laughs> <laughs> he he comes out and he's like fucking like doing composer <clears throat> shit. Like, yeah. who is this for? And then he wrestled, and I got it more. But like, fucking like when I saw that promo segment, I was like. Why should I care about this guy? Okay. okay. In Dragonoff's defense, that is the first time I've ever seen him wear a fucking turtleneck to the ring. Oh, he looked pimp though. I but usually but the thing is, usually he'll come out there with the with the long fucking like uh leather coat. The ring gear. Yeah, the ring gear and he he looks more and he has the red contacts in and he looks a lot more like the, the, psychotic. The biggest, I, the biggest <laughs> issue I had is that you can't wear a turtleneck like that without a chain. Gotta have turtleneck and chain. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like that's not the usual presentation we get on NXT UK. When you well, see my Dragunov. first reaction here was uh, he was in street clothes. Yeah, and I remember they pro- the way they hyped this. It's <coughs> I'm not editing that out. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it hyped it up like he was coming out to wrestle. So I was like, oh, okay, he's going to show up and wrestle, and then he's in the street clothes. I'm like, oh, okay. So more on that later, though. Yeah. Um. He says, on his path, words didn't mean anything, but pain has, the struggle has. Blind belief and fighting spirit have meant something. He says, uh, not, he has not put his power into his mouth. He has put his power into his fists. At TakeOver, he will become the new NXT UK champ. At which point, we get Pete Dunne making his way out, and I immediately get interested. Uh, Dunn says Ilya owes him a big thank you because without him carrying NXT UK on his back, then he doesn't get to do any of this. Uh, he sta- had 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 he stayed in the US, he would have put him in his place a long time. Had he stayed in the UK, my notes were fucked up. He would have put him in his place a long time ago. Uh, says he'll beat Walter. Uh, Ilya says he'll beat Walter, and that's something that Dunn can't change, and something he never did. Uh, Ilya then challenges Dunn to a match tonight. Dunn says that after the match, Ilya won't make it to take over. Uh, good segment. I, I enjoyed it. What did you guys think? Oh, my Sal. God. 
this this was um I thought maybe just like Imperium were gonna come out, like like Fabian Eichner and, and Marcel Bartel. Like I didn't think Pete Dunn was coming out. And when I saw Pete Dunn interrupt Dragonoff, I was like, This is great. This is the fucking greatest thing I've this is the greatest thing I never knew I wanted. Because <laughs> I knew where we were heading. And um yeah, it was fine. And they both brought up good points. Pete Dunn has a right to claim everything he said. He he definitely put NXT UK on the map. Uh, and Dragonoff is like the now in, in NXT UK. So I was like, all right, I'm down for this. John, are you, uh, you a fan of this segment? Once Dunn came out, I, I was I, I was more into it. Like, uh, I wasn't feeling uh, Dragonoff's promo like until he had Dunn to bounce off of. And then that was when I started getting more on board. I am on board with the notion of him beating Walter because I don't like Walter. But <laughs> I think it's going to happen. But more on that when we do predictions in a couple weeks or next week. I mean, next yeah. week, yeah, <laughs> next week. Now you get all this free time. You guys are recording Dynamite on Fridays or Saturdays or whatever. So now yeah. you all sorts of free time to be on NXT rundown. I don't, I don't need to see a tubby guy who just hits people in the chest. Like that's. <laughs> I don't know. Not my thing. I have a little bit of different. You, you didn't opinion. like Kamala. <laughs> no, not really. No. <laughs> I got a little bit of different opinion on Walter than everybody else has, I think, and it it's. I I, I listen to like a podcast where they fucking love him, and it's just about the chomps, and I'm like, are chomps that cool? So like- so my perspective here comes from the, the standpoint of somebody who works in the business, and the problem I have is that the things that people love about Walter are that he's going out there and legitimately hurting people, which is counter to what you're supposed to do out there. So Mm -hmm. if what you love about the guy is that he's shitty at what he's supposed to do, then great. I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't get the Walter thing. It's not something I'm into. Um, I've seen him have some good matches. My impression of those matches have usually been that the other guy in the match has been a workhorse who's made everything Walter did look great. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and by virtue of that, has and then he fucking beat Tommaso Ciampa with a chop, and I was fucking done. Okay, Sal, you look like you have something to say. Outside of the Tommaso thing, my, my... you can't go outside of the Tommaso <laughs> thing though. <laughs> well, it was because not a fucking takeover, dude. It because was, but, it was but, like it was a one-off on a fucking low-profile house show. It was a fucking takeover. I, uh, okay, outside of the finish, I still enjoyed that match. And sure. that that's the thing about, about Walter. That's what tears at me is because um, I typically enjoy his matches. I get How it. How many it Tommaso says something. Ciampa matches do you not like? That's true. But I, How and many I, Tyler Bate matches have you not liked? True. But, okay, here's the thing. When Dragunov beats him, it will have all been worth it because he's been booked like a monster. I guess to what end, though? I feel like as much as I'm not a Walter guy, I feel like... His presence, his gravitas, adds something to the NXT UK brand that I'm not sure they have with Dragunov at the head. Hmm. That's that's fair. But I think it's time for a change, personally. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We've got, we got time to figure that out. But we are going to move on to dinner time with L.A. Knight and Cameron Grimes. Uh, L.A. Knight says he left Grimes hanging. Knight, that Grimes left him hanging that he set him up and that left Grimes to finish his work and Grimes couldn't get the job done. Uh, 
he didn't hold up his part. He failed. Uh, he said that DBS is going to try to fill Grimes' head with all sorts of stuff. But at the end of the day, he's nothing but a butler. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was here. It was obviously foreshadowing for what was coming up. But, uh, you know, L.A. Knight's a charismatic promo. You know, he, you, you look at him when he speaks. Um, the content was nothing special here. And I sort of like Grimes when he's in his, like, rever- like reserved, not over the top, like, I'm sad kind of Cameron Grimes voice. It's kind <laughs> of entertaining to me because it's such a contrast. But uh, either of you feel strongly one way or the other on this segment? Mm. Uh, this segment mostly made, mostly made me feel like this angle has mostly run its course. Like, like, even though it hasn't been that long since the last match, I'm now ready for that Cameron Grimes win that moves them on to different things, whereas last time I thought it was too soon. I just I thought they were going to get more out of this than they have. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat that John is because, you know, LA Knight was fine. He did what he was supposed to do. As you go through the segments on NXT tonight, like, then it starts to make more sense where we end up. Um, So for this, it was just, it was was there. It was fine. (laughs) Uh, We go back to the arena after the break, and LA Knight makes his way out, and that's about the extent of the match because he hits the... BFT on Andre Chase, which apparently we find out is the Blunt Force Trauma, is the name of his finisher. Uh, had you heard that before? Or was that? Am I imagining that that's the first time I've heard that? It's the first time I heard it. Okay. Yeah, just making sure it was most of me. Uh, <laughs> so after the match is over and LA Knight is celebrating, Ted DiBiase comes out for what I can only classify as a depressing segment because. <laughs> Uh, Ted says this has gone too far. He knows Grimes is a man of his word and says Grimes could be doing a lot of other things. Knight says he couldn't be doing a lot of other things. He was born to be a butler. Uh, Ted says he believes in Grimes and so do the people, which, of course, starts a big to the moon chant. Uh, Knight asks if uh, Knight asks Ted if uh, he has something to say or if he's trying to get punched in the mouth again. Nice line. Uh, Ted tells Knight to shut his mouth, says that if Knight put the title on the line one more time, he'd win. Knight says, no, 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 I already beat him twice. Um, and, but says at TakeOver 36, if Grimes doesn't beat him, then Grimes won't be his butler anymore. DiBiase will. Uh, before, and, and I don't know if you guys caught this, before Ted says the line, um, he says some. uh... You are on. Oh, before he says the line, you're on to L.A. Knight. It sounds like somebody says it before Ted says it. Mm. And I wonder if Ted needed to be coached to get through this promo, because there were several times in this promo where it looked like Ted got lost and couldn't find his way back and needed to be like sort of nudged in the right direction, which was incredibly sad as a child of the 90s who watched Ted DiBiase cut some of the greatest promos. Um, and I don't know if it's Ted just losing his fastball or if it's back then you weren't scripted and you just went out there and said your word. Now he's focusing too much on trying to say specific lines. Uh, but this was a really, really bad promo for Ted DiBiase. Um, see, I'm not, I'm not even blaming Ted. I'm, I'm blaming the way they're, they're, they're booking him because you know what my favorite character was growing up? Um, Heart to heart, family man, uh, inspiring speech. Ted DiBiase. That was always oh, yeah. my favorite character growing yep. up. That was great. 
like talk about miscast. Like I'm, I don't want to feel bad for Ted DiBiase and have him, you know, inspire Cameron Grimes to be a better person. No, that's kind of garbage. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so let me ask you from a kayfabe standpoint. Let's say you're LA Knight, right? And this this thing floats in front of you. Why would you not say, "Fine, I'll put the title on the line." Grimes has to put all his money on the line. Sure. You've taken his pride. You've made him a butler. Now you take his money. So That's now he's a poor. Much butler. better. That is literally much better. John, um, I, I agree that that would make more sense. Uh, I also like. I I kept bumping on the fact that uh, La Knight was talking about owning these people. Oh yeah, like he's an asshole. But also, that's not how employment really works. Like you know, they're not. Well, in wrestling storylines, that's always sort of been how that servant role has worked, though. Yeah. Even recently, even recently, they had where it's like a temporary thing. Like it's not like yeah, you're you're mine for the rest of your life. Like none of those things like end up being like you know, La Knight's not going to retire with Cameron Grimes as Butler or I guess fucking Ted DiBiase now. Um, Maybe he should just to buck the trend. uh, Maybe. At least they never won the tag team championships. So there's that. <laughs> but um, no, I was going to say, to even recently, we had this storyline with JBL and Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? Recently? Well, 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> A decade ago. It's recent. I mean, recent compared to the stuff that, you know, me and you usually talk about. Um, but the... That's, that was just always a heel trope. Like, oh, I own you. Uh, you know, your, your, your life belongs to me because I employ you and I pay you and you're my slave. So I didn't have an issue with it. That's just Ellie and I doing heel things. It's fine. Um, I have more of an issue with, I don't know how they did this, but they've got me not to really want to cheer Cameron Grimes anymore. Like I was, I, I totally want to. And that's the thing. I was all they about want to create it. Sympathy for him. I he, was such a shit, he was such a shitbag heel for so long that I think they they felt they needed to create sympathy in order to get him over as a face. I don't think they needed to. I was fine with him Probably last not. takeover. You know what Probably I mean? This whole like I'm gonna beat you down thing and like you're gonna be pathetic. I, it doesn't make a baby face for me. I'm not sure I want to see him as the million dollar champion either, but. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But uh, anyway, moving on, we go backstage to Gigi Dolan, who uh, cut a promo. Apparently, I wrote a Gigi Dolan pro- porno, which apparently <laughs> auto-corrected. That would have been better. Wishful yeah, thinking. Yeah. Uh, it, she says she's running through every woman in the division, and she's not doing it alone. More on that in a moment. We go to break. We come back, and immediately Cameron Grimes versus LA Knight has been made official. Why is it it takes four weeks to get a contract signed in WWE, but in NXT we can do it in a commercial break? <sighs> I don't know. They do the same thing in AEW, too. In a better management, I guess? Yeah, fair enough. So you say better uh, management. They do it every fucking segment in AEW, and it's like, Tony Khan just signed this match, and I'm like, fuck off. I mean, fuck fair, off. Everything is next in AEW, too. That's true. Um, <laughs> So we go back to the ring, and Gigi Dolan is out with uh, JCJ. And now, before we go to the match, uh, Gigi's entrance immediately turns to the camera to show us that lovely ace as she makes her way out. Uh, I'm, from a physical attribute standpoint, I am digging this new tag team. How about you guys? Oh, I'm loving it. <laughs> that, who the hell's the other one? 
JC Jane. No, I, I heard the name. I'm like, uh, she's has another she developmental talent. Okay. Uh, no, she's had one match, I think, on, on NXT. Uh, and then some backstage segments, but not much. Is so she from the Is she from the Independence? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Oh, I didn't know if you were familiar. Okay, because I was like, I don't know her other name. If if she no. had another name. Nope. But uh, oh, she's perfectly fine. I mean, we could look it up real quick. I'm sure. It's not a big um, and I'm so glad that they are seem seemingly starting to do something with uh, the former Priscilla Kelly, because uh, I'm a fan. I think she's always. Uh, She's definitely done some interesting things on the Indies to try to make her name, but huh. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a fan of this girl being an NXT talent and, and seeing what they do with it. So, All right, well, I'm not finding it real quick, but we'll figure it out and we'll talk about it next time then. Or next time she's on the air, we'll have this discussion. Uh, Amari Miller's already in the ring. Uh, we go to the action. Miller hits a neckbreaker for one. Dolan escapes to the outside, grabs Miller's arm, and snaps it across the bottom rope. Uh, Dolan hits a series of Irish whip forearms. Those look those look good. I like those. Yep. Uh, very stiff, uh, very physical. Uh, then sort of out of nowhere, hits an ab- abdominal stretch bomb, which was sort of a pretty cool move. I I don't recall seeing that before. I, I sort of liked that and got the win with that. So um, not a whole lot to this match, but I was happy that Gigi was on TV. I was happy that she was given a sort of dominant role, dominant win here to really sort of establish herself. I dug the finish. Like that—that's uh, cool move. Yeah, I like that. Something different I haven't seen before. I always like when it's, you know, your finisher is something I haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, you just show up and it's a fucking choke slam. It's like okay, no, I've seen that. <laughs> but uh, oh. so thoughts on Gigi Dolan here? I like it. I'm digging it, and I want to see where they go next. And I and I am totally down for not only the pairing with um, JC Jane, but if this team is managed by Mandy Rose, I'm completely there for it. Now, if you're Mandy Rose, you just left the WWE to go down to NXT, and now they're talking about like closing it up and making it less important. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I mean, there'll probably always be a spot for Mandy Rose. One would think. I'm just saying. Under Vince McMahon's desk. Anyway, uh, moving on. It's we go still back. A spot. <laughs> we go back to the restaurant, and uh, Indy is apparently ordering everything off the menu. Uh, while Dexter says nothing. While Indy's sitting there talking, we hear Johnny over a walkie-talkie say, asking if do you have eyes on Index. Uh, Indy looks around. Do you hear that? And she's looking around. She finds, removes a menu, and we find Candace hiding. And uh, Indy tells Johnny to leave her alone. And that's the end of that segment. So uh, I'm going to guess you guys weren't as much of a fan of this version of the story as the first one? No, this one wasn't good. And yeah, not much here. This is fucking terrible. <laughs> okay, as long as we're all in agreement. I don't really think that even requires any analysis. There wasn't much there to break down. It was just a it was a bad fucking attempt at comedy segment. It might as well have been an Applebee's commercial, which is why yeah. I thought they were going to go originally to on the right. Date. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, we know it wasn't Chili's because that's the dark order. Uh, we go to the ring where William Regal is standing there with a lot of security, including the next big thing in NXT, Parker Boudreaux. Little surprised they have that guy out there, um, <laughs> being that they've like sort of put a lot, and even in social media they've sort of pumped him up a little bit. So I'm a little surprised they had someone so sort of prominent standing in the ring as, as a security guard. Also, uh, Bronson Rex Steiner, Rick Steiner's kid, was in the ring as well as a security guard. So uh, you know, 
I guess when you fire everybody, it's all hands on deck for the security guard segments. That's true. And also, you seem to forget that they had fucking six foot nine Braun Strowman as a rosebud. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but at the time, nobody knew who Braun Strowman was. My I point mean, is, Parker Boudreaux has been sort of highlighted on the WWE social media. But in the strongman like competition world, I'm sure they knew who he was. You know? Oh, sure. But I'm talking about the WWE audience. True. Okay, that's fair. Anyway, uh, at this point, Kyle, uh, Adam Cole makes his way out, followed quickly by Kyle O'Reilly, and we find out that Regal says their match at TakeOver 36 will be a two-out-of-three falls match. They both pick a stipulation for the first two matches, and if it goes to the third, Regal picks it, very much like they did with, uh, uh, was it uh, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano? Not yep. too, too long ago when Cole eventually won the title. Uh, apparently it's being billed as the undisputed finale. So, uh, you know, I like I'm, the name. I, I do. do like and I mean, I like the concept for these two, uh, but we'll talk about perhaps the execution in just a moment. Uh, <laughs> Cole says Kyle is predictable and delusional. And for 13 years, Cole has proven that he's better. He says Kyle continues to hold on to that win at, win at stand and deliver that doesn't really count because it was unsanctioned. Uh, he says Cole wants a. Uh, Cole wants the same thing as Kyle, so this so the second fall of their match will be a street fight. Uh prior to this, uh Kyle cut the promo first and was like, you know, I'm, Did I write it out in order? Hold on, I anyway, so. Right, well, so um That is weird. Why did I uh I, I must have missed it anyway. Uh so yeah, Kyle says that the first fall of the match is going to be a regular wrestling match, a uh, straight huh. wrestling match. So this is where I have my first problem because, and this is what they did the same thing with Cole and Gargano when they did it. It's sort of like you have the opportunity to pick any type of match you want. You pick the stipulation. Adam Cole could legitimately pick a match where he can cheat whatever he wants to do and have, Kyle O'Reilly has to stay in the ring, and if he leaves the ring, he get, he loses and can't use a foreigner. Like he could book a seventy-five on one handicap match. He can make any stipulation he wants, and we get straight wrestling match, which to me is the equivalent of Mandy Rose comes up to you and she says, "All right, here's the deal. Tonight, you can do anything you want to me sexually." And you sit there and you think, and you're like, I got it. Missionary. <laughs> and she gives you a look like, um, okay, just to be clear here, you could do anything. Like, I'm, I'm opening up all the orifices. Uh, I can go get another chick. Like, we can do whatever you want. And that's what you're going with. And then you're like, ah, you're right. On second thought, hand job <laughs> now not to disparage a handy for mandy because that's always a good thing but there's a title uh but this seems really fucking silly to go this route is it just me here no you're 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 not wrong like it's an underwhelming uh stipulation to have in what what is in essence the blow off so the uh, only thing I'm going to say, the only thing I will give it, is that Kyle picked the straight wrestling match. Adam Cole picked the street fight. 
the psychology here clearly being that they both picked the match they lost yeah. to the other as yeah. a way of sort of exerting that that was a fluke, that they're dominant. Kyle wants to show that he can beat Adam in a straight wrestling match. Adam wants to show that he can beat Kyle and make up for the, the street fight loss. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But so I to, guess- to your point, the only issue I really have with this is that they got to choose. Like, if Regal was like, you're going to have a two out of three falls match, and this is going to be the first fall, I would have had no problem with it. Mm-hmm. But like you said... Kyle can do whatever the fuck he wants because Kyle had the first choice, mm-hmm. and he went with a wrestling match. Which we we've already seen these two beat the living fuck out of each other. <laughs> right. It's that's the thing. If this was the first time they ever fought, okay, fair. I want to see who the better wrestler is. Like, right? That's like going from a death match to a regular match with Juventud Guerrera. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would never happen though. Um, yeah, it's just like. And plus, the, I know we're going to go through it, but the, the fucking stipulations are exactly the same that they did with Triple H and Austin. Just call it three stages of hell. What the fuck? Uh, Kyle says that Cole created him. He taught him how to smash him into the steel steps. Maybe he's naive for thinking that he can be the good guy and be successful, but he's literally, at this point, willing to do anything to put him down for good, put Cole down for good. Uh, and now that he doesn't care, he's the most dangerous man Cole has ever been in the ring with. Um, I'm a big fan of Kyle, but it felt like he stumbled in this promo a few times pretty noticeably. Is that just me? You it's guys a catch problem, that because when you're going you know, in a mic battle with Adam Cole, if you're not on point, you're going to kind of get exposed a little bit. To our next point, where Cole follows it up and says, "Are you a moron?" <laughs> I, I have not been a fan of uh, Kyle Riley's mic work since he's had this uh, this push. Like, okay. yeah, I can't I, say I blame the John. character hasn't been landing with me at all. Like, and him in the ring with Adam Cole amplifies that because Adam Cole's yeah. like effortlessly cool. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and Kyle's strength is not his promos. His strength has always been his in-ring and mm-hmm. you know um cole says he taught kyle for 13 years and for 13 years kyle's been riding his coattails he's the greatest nxt superstar ever and kyle is nothing more than a footnote in his career he says kyle doesn't have killer instinct and tells kyle that he means nothing to him at this point they start to push and shove and get into a fight uh and regal tells us that the third fall of their match will be in a steel cage do you remember the, the, the Johnny Gargano Adam Cole match, Sal? Yeah. Do you remember what the third fall was? Uh, let's see here. I think it was a steel cage. Steel cage with weapons. With weapons, yes. That's right. Had all the weapons already. Had that table perched up in the corner that we yeah. all were like, what the fuck are they going to do with that? Um, so we're actually taking a step back from the last time we did this match <laughs> to a less interesting type of match. Yeah. <sighs> this whole segment didn't land for me. The, I, I, look, I love any time I see Kyle O'Reilly and Adam and Adam Cole in a ring together, um, but this feels like less than. I don't know. It, it feels like we're we're not going all in on this blow off. Do you remember the first time that Champa fuck Agana after yeah. the turn? At, no, I'm not talking about the Cruiserweight Classic, but yeah, no, Orlando. Yeah, 
And that was so fucking good. And it had mm-hmm. the build and everything was just like, it was like a perfect match. Yep. And then subsequently they kept trying to top it. And like the second match was like pretty good, especially at that point where you like DDT the guy on the fucking floorboards of the ring. That was fine. Yep. And Johnny's that, but... anger, yeah, but Johnny's anger cost them the match. I, I understood yeah. that. But then by the time we got to the third match, it was like, well, what more can these guys do? And the third match was a good match, but it wasn't yeah. the best. That's right. what I feel like we're at with, with these two. Yeah, I feel like the problem with a lot of these things is they, they don't slowly ratchet it up. It just sort of, like with these two, you started with the unsanctioned fight. Yep. And then went backwards to a straight wrestling match. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I don't either, no. You remember when Keith Lee fought Dijak? And it was just, they just had some classic fucking matches. And then every yeah. match after that, even though it wasn't a step, every match just right. felt like better because they were like trying to outdo the previous one. Right, yeah. Um, I like I like when things build to a crescendo. No, and Kyle and Cole will deliver. The they will. They'll beat the fuck deliver. out of each other. But right. is it going to be better? Uh, probably does not. Does this main event? Does this main event or does Cross and Joe main event? No, this. Ha- I mean, okay, yes, I get it. It's Joe, but like, if this is the undisputed finale and they were your group for four fucking years, then this has to main event. Hmm, okay, I'm I'm still not sure what they do. I'll, I haven't figured that. Which way I think they go with that, John? Which one do you think? Uh, uh, I think that this will main event, but I'm generally of the opinion that the title should always main event. Yeah, no, I, I agree most of the time. I think there are exceptions to it, but yeah, most of the time I agree. Um, we go backstage and Champa is sitting there with uh, Timmy Thatcher and uh, Champa looking fucking yoked here. Jesus Christ! <laughs> like he hasn't looked this jacked since he came back from his original fucking ACL injury. Um, he says Don and Oni needed Ridge Holland to beat them and says he's Ridge Holland is impressive, but impressive, but Ridge Holland is not Tommaso Ciampa and he's not Timothy Thatcher. Uh, Tommaso says that, uh, they define everything good and pure about this industry. Uh, and Ciampa says Ridge Holland, uh, versus Tommaso Ciampa next. It starts to say Tommaso and then Thatcher cuts him off and says, with all due respect, Next week, Ridge Holland versus Timothy Thatcher. And I went from being really into the match to not giving a fuck about the match in about a three-second span. (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that, because my thought as I'm watching this promo was, wow, fucking Thatcher's made Champa boring. (laughs) Uh And it's not Champa. Like, he's still... I guess I'm just over the whole fucking throwing the chair thing at the end and, like... (laughs) Again, then you have fucking toothless Timmy over there being like, "Oh no, sir! Allow me to give him a real wrestling match." Like, oh, shut the fuck up, dude. I will give him a jolly good Rogerish, sir. <laughs> so it's interesting. Like uh, that means they're gonna fuck, right? No yes. thrashing was what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> For sure. Um, I mean, if he wants to fuck him, I'm not gonna stop him. But fair. Um, anytime Champa speaks, like I tend to be captivated in terms of like just by the cadence and whatnot. But yep. hearing your recap. There wasn't a lot there. No, right. it really wasn't. And like I'm, I'm listening to you recap, and I'm like, oh, why was I so into this? Like, because you happened? look at the intensity in Champa's eyes every time yeah. he fucking does that, he catches you. But like, John, John yeah, but just also, told me I'm John just told me I'm way less captivating than Tommaso Ciampa, <laughs> and my heart just broke a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a high bar, though. Mm-hmm. True. 
True. You're way more captivating than Timothy Thatcher. Way okay. more captivating. Yeah, so is a burrito. Uh, <laughs> but weirdly, not Zoe Stark. Fair. Oh, God. Uh, so is anybody actually interested to see this match? Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I hope Rich Holland but... beats the fuck out of them. Okay. Fair. All right, we now don't adjust your sets. We go to our third promo segment in a row as MSK begin their segment mocking Imperium, uh, and they can't get along very long pretending to be serious, so they whip off the jackets. Basically say that Imperium... (laughs) Wesley closes by saying if Imperium wants the two-piece side and the biscuit, just let them know, because they're fighting champions, and it's MSK all night and all day. Um... And then they spray paint MSK on the screen. So DX re- rebirth confirmed or something like that. Spray painting in fluorescent green. That seems pretty <laughs> reminiscent of something I've seen before. I don't know. Yeah. It's only like no, the 85th time, time that WWE's gone back to that well, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't stop them. Never no, stop it would not talk. stop them. It would not. Um, All right. Oh, sorry, guy. No, nah, I just. I'm there for MSK versus Imperium. I think the match would be great. What's that? I'm there for Imperium taking the titles off MSK? No. <laughs> you guys, I don't know what the fuck. This is the problem. I don't hate MSK. Guys. I don't hate MSK. This is, no, no, no. This is the problem with you guys. This is You guys are the reason we can't have nice things. Because when I'm not on this show, I listen. And all I hear is, well, I really like these guys, but we got to get the fucking titles off of them. And then when they don't have the titles and they're not on TV for a while because they're not the focal point because they don't have the chance, why the fuck are they not using MSK? What the fuck? Listen, they're good. Let them keep the titles. Let's keep some stability. Let's let some people chase them for a while. Let's let establish them as champions. And then they can lose the titles and build someone else. You say that for every single MSK program. I... They've only would, had two. They've had five. Since they've won the titles, they had Legato, and they have this. Did they have um, did fucking... I, uh, they uh, danced around the vets, but they never did the program or the match. Uh, I, I've never qualified uh, uh, an opinion that I have on MSK by saying that I like them. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, uh, I, look, I don't... I like MSK. They're just better tag teams in NXT right now. Who? Imperium! Yes. No. I'd rather I'd rather the as champs. I'd rather okay. them as champs. So, so I like I like heel so tag team champs. There is a difference between better workers and a better tag team. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean like they were better performers. I meant like in in story and kayfabe, I prefer a heel team like Imperium with the tag titles. Well, I understand that, but a heel can't carry the title forever. You have to have a little bit of a run for the face so that there's nobody for the fucking heels to take the titles from. Well, like you said, the money's in the chase, right? <laughs> yes, but... Oh, my God. See? Imperium <laughs> Imperium cheats. Maybe they get a new member of Imperium. So, they get right, the belts right, off MSK. You start to right, feel pull, bad pull for MSK a, chair, a little bit. Pull up a chair, Sal, because we're going to go to wrestling school right now. So, let me ask you a question, right? Yeah. If MSK wins the titles, right... And then they lose them right away to Legato, which is their first major program, which you guys all wanted them to lose the titles to Legato. And, and I like Legato, and I do want Legato to end up as a tag team champions, but you wanted them to lose it in their first major program. And then the money's in the chase. Yeah. What money is in the chase of MSK challenging a team that has already beaten them 
and they couldn't hold the title past their first program. So they're chump fluke champions. What money is in that chase? That's why they needed heel to cheat. Now, if, if, if MSK has established themselves as a dominant force as a tag team, and they have defended the title on multiple occasions, and they have had a good long run as champions, and then, then, Sal, they lose those titles by nefarious means, then there is money in the chase, and then there is money in them getting those title shots and getting titles back. Nine times out of ten, you're right. Except for the fact that it seems like the crowd isn't really behind MSK. That's not a real crowd, though. (sighs) But that's the crowd everybody else sees on TV doesn't matter so you automatically are starting to like change your viewers motherfucker roman reigns got booed out of the goddamn building for 10 years and they fucking pumped him as a face to no end john cena same fucking thing since when do they give a shit about that but okay but you're not gonna spend 10 years fucking turning the crowd to like msk you know what i mean i don't think they care what the crowd thinks about msk i just thought it would be because it feels like the fans are were turning on them and maybe like you said because they got it they got the titles too quickly so i just felt like if you reset it maybe people will get behind them more i also think there's there's something to the fact that and i think like troy and i Followed these guys in Impact before they came to WWE, so I was already invested in the fact that in Impact they were the best tag team Impact had, and they kept getting screwed and never got the chance to have a run with the titles. Okay. So for them coming in here and getting the titles, I understood the emotion. I understood how much it meant to them. I like I got that whole story that maybe you guys didn't get, so it was a different uh, experience for you and some of their fans. But, I was going to say, not um, just me, but how many people who no, no, are diehard NXT fans watch Impact? I understand, but the point is you don't establish these guys by having them lose right away. Sure. So if Britt Baker loses to fucking Red Velvet on you know, on Friday night, she doesn't really establish that title run yet. She hasn't faced anyone where she's had a great match. She's had, what, Nyla and now Red Velvet. So taking the title off her now makes her look weak because she hasn't had an epic, a great epic feud storyline to lose that title. So quick aside, as someone who sporadically watches Dynamite, who the fuck is Red Velvet? Uh, um, she's she's Brandy, Brandy Rose's twin sister. Hmm. So, so John, Do you remember that little action figure of Brandy that Brandy used to carry around with her? It's like a real doll of that. Yeah. Hmm. To the point where I know they didn't do this on Dynamite, but they did it on Dark. So for those of us who watch Dark, got to see this. When Brandy was playing her heel character and Red Velvet first appeared on Dark, Brandy pretty much called her her action figure. Ah. She was like, oh, you remind me of little Bran Bran. And uh, is she as bad as Brandy? Uh, She was. She's gotten a little bit better. She was very green. She was very green, but she she's definitely got past that a little bit. But um, <laughs> but, uh, I I don't think I can What's read that, that out. I don't think I can read that out loud. So it, she's not like to me. She's still a jobber. I'm sorry. Like I understand she's 22 and four, but nah, I don't really care. Um, it's not like you know. A well-oiled machine like Imperium is taking the fucking titles. I mean, 
it's a little bit more believable if, if if a team like that takes the titles than as opposed to a fucking red velvet. <laughs> like, all right. all right, this is not AEW rundown. You can talk about this shit on Saturday, Sal. No, no, no. We were talking about why you think, um, you know, MSK should keep the belts and against every team that's left in uh, NXT. No, I think they should lose the belts eventually to the Grizzled Young Vets. Oh. I've said that since the fucking beginning. So if they were facing the Grizzled Young Vets at TakeOver, would you say it's time for a title change? I I think they should have one more TakeOver. So they should win at this TakeOver. After this, they've established a couple wins at the TakeOver. They've established themselves as solid champions. Then you can start to think about making a switch for a story purpose. All right. Uh, I'd be willing to see that because I am a fan of the Grizzled Young Vets too, and I don't think we see them enough anymore. So, well, they're you know helping uh, Elliot Knight pick up his balls at the golf course. So, <laughs> um, all right, so back to the ring, and it's NXT Breakout Tournament time, where if you lose, you really could get fired. So there's that. Um, coming out first, Odyssey Jones, and uh, this will be interesting because. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. The last time you were on this show was Odyssey Jones' first match in the breakout tournament, right? Uh, that could very well be. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I think I remember. My memory is shit. I think I remember you and Ginger not being particularly impressed with him in that match either. So. I, I, I actually I like this one more. Okay. Uh, Trey Baxter is out next. And did either of you guys ever watch the show Workaholics? Yes. On VH1. Does I've Trey not. Baxter not remind you of the fucking. Wow, God, what was his name? The redhead with the crazy hair. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember his name. Oh, that's going to bother me. But yeah, yeah, I see it. Facially, that's what he looks like to me. I was get stuck on that. Um, <laughs> this is the best. So as they start to they start to circle each other, Wade says, Trey has to use all his aerial ability, and if that doesn't work, he's going to have to start cheating and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> My Wade is so great. I love Wade Barrett sometimes. Uh, Baxter goes to run the ropes, and Jones pulls him back by his tights, picks him up for a belly-to-back suplex, and just fucking hocks him across the ring. Yeah. The the hang time on this thing was fantastic. Uh, Baxter goes for a springboard. Jones catches him and press slams him to the mat, which was impressive. I like that spot. Uh, Baxter goes, eventually takes out the legs, hits a DDT, and then a spin kick, which went right upside his fucking jaw as he was down on his knees. And no doubt that he landed flush because when they talk to uh, Jones after the match, you can see the blood coming out of his mouth. So he took this one flush on the chin and didn't skip a fucking beat. So this guy's a badass. Uh Baxter goes to the corner. Jones follows him in with a splash after having had his knee worked on, so I guess his leg was okay at that point. Um, Baxter hits a belly-to-back urinagi, I guess, was the best way I could describe this spot. Um, I'm sorry, not he, Baxter takes the belly-to-back urinagi for the, for the finish and the win, and Odyssey Jones is moving on to the finals. Uh, I like the finisher. I hadn't seen it sort of before, um, at least not as a finish. So I'm curious to see what he's going to end up calling it, but I, I liked it. Um, this was pretty much a squash. Uh, Odyssey Jones looks like he's got a rocket strapped to him. Yeah, and that makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 
Because I was impressed with Odyssey Jones. And then I was like, oh, oh that's who's winning the tournament. And I was sad because I wanted I Carmelo that's Hayes to win. I don't know if that's true. I, I, I don't know that that's true. I don't know. He looked pretty um, dominant. <laughs> Carmelo's been in the ring with Adam Cole, toe-to-toe. So. That's true. That's true. Uh, John, so as somebody that didn't really like Odyssey Jones' first match, what did you think of this one? Uh, I... I was significantly more into it than than the first one, and maybe it's also because like I don't remember the guy's name, but like I saw another big guy in this tournament that I wasn't into. Like he had like the braces on and like Josh Briggs. Yeah, that was it. And, you will not uh, speak ill on this show of Josh Briggs, sir. I was not super impressed. Um, I'll just say that, uh, and uh, that contextualized this as well. I'm like, oh, this guy. He, he he does he does impressive things like may, maybe I I probably should have gone into that first match with more more of an open mind because I I did like this one there was probably more to like in the first one too and I'm just a cynical I, bastard or something so I I can appreciate the era of sort of the big athletic big man that does sort of cruiserweight stuff, the Keith Lees and the Dijaks of the world and all that stuff. Like, I, I, I understand it, and I get the place of it. Here's my problem with that stuff. If I watch Keith Lee do a fucking moonsault to the floor, and then later on I see the fucking cruiserweights do it, then the cruiserweights look like shit to me. Yep. The, the thing that makes cruiserweights and, and lighter wrestlers special is no longer their thing. Because now these guys who are bigger and stronger and can do all these other things can do their thing, too. Mm-hmm. And it's more impressive when they do it. So I think that sort of stuff, and, and I, I understand I'm sounding like Vince McMahon, like, work like a big man. I get that. And I'm not necessarily going that far to the extreme. But I do think there is something to be said for the notion that it's hard to follow that, if you, if you get what I'm saying. It's interesting take from you um well dude i'm old school yeah you know no no i get that but two people that that you've worked with and and that you know pretty well are are two big men on raw that do some impressive flippy shit (laughs) like um so the thing i'll say with dijak and i I, that's one of the people you're referring to um and ivar right they do it in small doses true that's true. Most of their offensive attack is based around power and beating the shit out of people. And occasionally they'll throw something in for the wow factor, but it's not a central part of their offense. When in NXT and on the Indies, it was Keith Lee's entire offensive arsenal. Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Okay. And yeah, like you said, it's just like, well, okay. I used to love the cruiserweights because they did all this stuff, but now these guys do this stuff, so Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, That's true. So we go down to ringside where I also have the note like, uh, this is what a real working athletic big man looks like, Bronson Reed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that's one more thing about that, though, right? Is um, you get a guy like, like Legato's really good, right? Like, especially Escobar. So, by contrast, when I see, you know, Joaquin Wilde do a, a Spanish fly, right? I'm just like, eh. And I shouldn't be! Like, right. ten years ago, that would have fucking popped me! Right. No, exactly. 
Now as everybody as... does a Spanish fly. <laughs> right. No, it's true. It's, it's very, very true. Uh, we then go down to ringside to Samantha Irvin. Who? I don't know. I thought you knew. <laughs> I don't think we've seen her before. This might have been a debut. Uh, she talks to Odyssey Jones, who basically he's just really excited and tells his mama, yay, I made it. Um, nothing spectacular there. Uh, we then get, guess that, guess what, boys? Guess what? Mm. Boa's next. Mm. We get oh. a Boa match. Yeah. We get to cover Boa. Yeah. Uh, so we go to break. We come back. Dinner time is sitting outside Regal's office when Malcolm Bivens comes out thanking him, which I can only mean, uh, assume means that nobody else from the Diamond Mine got fired this week. Uh, he says Regal has news for her. Uh, at which point Regal comes out and says that next week Aperium gets their title shot against MSK. And it's just been made clear to him that uh, Roddy versus Kushida should happen because Regal fired Tyler Rust. So um, we go out to the ring, and Boa comes out, and Zaya's not with him. Interesting. She's been such an integral part to this act. She hasn't been written off. Curious as to why she wasn't there. I just thought because it was a Boa singles match. No, but even her singles matches, Boa's out there for the intro. Sure, but like she's established herself because she was like the first person in this group to like get matches, and this is really well, the first time we've seen Boa. Well, so you say that, except immediately Mae Young gets up from her throne and walks to the ring with Boa. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so he did have backup, and this was sort of like... It was felt sort of anticlimactic. Like we've been having the whole Mei Ying is sitting on the thing and not moving for so long. And I know she did the choke thing on Caden Carter at one point, but for the most part, she really hasn't. And now she's just like chilling at ringside, like drinking a beer, grabbing a hot dog while Bo was wrestling. That was a little <laughs> anticlimactic to, to, to just go right there. I don't know. It's uh, I, I. By the way, I assume Zia Lee probably got released, and that's why she wasn't there. So. You know, I'd be fine with that. She'll be Zia Um Oh, you wish this. you ah, wish I man. would they shoved <laughs> that on my fucking show on <laughs> AW Rundown. No no no, you're stuck uh, with that. Uh, okay. The concussion uh, giver is yours. Oh yeah, AEW does Nobody's giving out concussions <laughs> on AEW. That's, okay, the concussion yeah. kick giver is yours. <laughs> that's uh we could still make that argument both ways here. Possibly. Uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, Drake Maverick's already in the ring. Boa hits some kicks and a thrust to the throat. Uh, Drake hits the ropes and just gets a palm strike to the chest. Uh, Drake moves quickly around the ring, uh, and while he's moving around, Boa looks completely fucking lost. Uh, Boa wins with a... Oh, sorry. Uh, Drake goes for a somersault dive to the floor. As he throws Boa back in, he turns around for some fucking reason, and Mae Young blows her vape in his face. Not uh, Mae Young. That may <laughs> That would have been really weird. I mean, it could be. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're both a thousand years age. old. They both were a thousand years old. I get it. Uh, so she blows her vape in his face, and then Boa hits a round kick to the head for the win. Uh, Boa still sucks. Anybody else got anything else out of this, John? I I had two takeaways. One, okay. it was a match where the most entertaining parts were the parts that Drake Maverick were controlling. That says. <laughs> As much as I think anything needs to. And two, this guy needed fucking help to beat Drake Maverick. <laughs> um, I had two things and, yeah, as well. And yeah, this sucks. So, 
yeah, Boa still sucks. So that was a waste of a year. And also, I thought spitting mist into someone's face was a Japanese thing. Isn't it wasn't this... mist, it was vape. That, you know... <laughs> there was no mist involved. It was still the same concept. Mist leaves evidence. You can see the color all okay, over the other guy. Which was always my favorite part of that. It's like, <laughs> oh, Mr. Referee, just completely ignore all that green liquid on the guy's face. <laughs> Nothing nothing of chicanerous measures <laughs> happened during that while you had your back turned. Yeah, but if it happened if he saw it after the bell, it doesn't matter. Too while bad. you turned your back, he robbed a bank and one of those like things in the money bag went off on him. On okay, the I appreciated any any heel who then covered up the guy's face with his forearm yes. after he spit the mist in it. Unfortunately that didn't happen nearly enough. Tajiri <laughs> was pretty good with that. Uh so after that whole debacle, we go to break, we come back, back to dinner with Indy and Dexter. Indy, uh, we come in the middle of a conversation, and Indy's telling Dexter that he is so funny. She did, too. Uh, she came in the middle of a conversation. She also says she's completely stuffed, to which uh, Dexter says, just wait till later. Uh, dessert comes, and we hear that it's uh, Jean-Paul, the waiter, which I got to think was a rib on Triple H, right? It was. Jean-Paul Levesque, I guess. Uh it's Johnny Gargano in a terrible disguise. Uh, she rips off the disguise. He said, fine, then he's taking the cake home to Candace. And they get into a little tug of war for the cake. And uh, the cake ends up going into Dexter's face. Uh, Johnny then leaves. And apparently, since he didn't get the cake, he decided to give his wife a cream pie instead. Um, because, ladies and gentlemen, is another part of our news. Candace LeRae is pregnant. So news came out today that uh, Johnny did the deal, and uh, we're going to have a little baby wrestling soon. <laughs> uh, they really are sort of like the first couple of wrestling at this point, though, right, for for diehard indie fans? Oh, yeah. Because they all loved Johnny before NXT. They all loved Candice before NXT, probably more so than even they do now. So they really are sort of like the independent wrestling couple, right? Oh, yeah. And... and um. Somebody signed that baby to a developmental deal. <laughs> but, um, so I would like I mean, to have... AEW probably will. Yeah, it's true. I would like to have Indy's cake all over my face. I mean, just saying. Uh, this segment was fucking trash. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was and, comedy. It was well, hold comedy, on, though. Hold on, because we're not done yet, guys. That's the thing. You've missed the... You, you haven't gotten to the end yet. I was gonna, I was gonna comment on the end, but I'll let you describe uh, it first. So Johnny leaves, and I had to get the cream pie joke in in the news. So uh, Indy <laughs> says, Indy says, so Dexter's got cake all over his face, and Indy says, "Don't worry, I told you, I always have room for dessert." Put, licks the cake off of his face, and then goes in for a kiss and blocks the camera. So clearly, they fucked in the restaurant, right? I would hope so. Does the fucking camera like? Can do they know the camera's there or not? This is a point of inconsistency that I can't fucking stand. That's like, fair. Sometimes, like, they they act like, you know, they have, like, really private conversations in front of cameras, and other times it's like, oh, don't, don't look at this thing that's happening. <laughs> like, uh, I just so, want consistency one way or the other. I don't care which way. It's I'm like, to me, fine. it's like Saturday Night Live. So, so you know how that thing in high school where sometimes the girl knew there was a camera and sometimes she didn't? So...
Cricket soundbite? No. <laughs> Moving on. No, I'm just, by the way, I'm just kidding, everybody. That was the mistake of the joke. <laughs> there are no videotapes because, trust me, nobody wants to see that. Uh, I have very hairy balls and nobody needs to look at that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> So I, I think we're all in agreement that that was not uh, a strong segment for the Garganos. There. No, it was no. it was a hundred percent like, hey, this is comedy, this is funny. Come on, don't you guys think this is funny? And you're just like, eh, as, as the show on. progressed, the segments got worse. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a funny hat. <laughs> Disguise. Look, 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 look! The quiet psycho got cake cake shoved in his face. <laughs> it, it's funny because he's got a fake mustache. <laughs> Um, so, Sal, just since you're on the episode, I think it's important we clear this up because I know everybody is wondering. Uh, you think they'd be fucking? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay. 100%. Okay, so if even Sal's on board with the You know, they haven't they'd, they'd said fucking. it explicitly. Anyway, I can't keep keep going with that. <laughs> what was that, John? No, I, I was I was trying to reference the the last the the last time I was on for a, the, be they fucking uh, conversation or not, and yeah, I I couldn't really sell it like because you know oh we they know. clearly are but okay. yeah so at it, least we're all in agreement they'd it, be fucking good for Dexter man Indy's a fucking dime piece yeah but you know I I'm I'm st- listen those white pants are great yeah. But she's literally wearing them every time she's on TV. Yeah. Like, does she own anything else? Uh, maybe. Maybe she owns a pair of white shorts. I mean, maybe when you look that good in something, you just rock it all the time. I don't know. I think she should just rock the white jean shorts. I think that would be a better look. Like, the cutoff maybe white jean just, shorts. Maybe she just has a closet filled with white pants. So does that mean I should wear my assless chaps all the time? I mean, or not just, or, you, but or, if Indy wanted or, to wear assless no, no, chaps. No, no, I'm saying, like, because we're saying, like, if something looks really good on you, you should rock it all the time. So I'm thinking I'll just wear my assless chaps all the time or just the family reunions. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think your uh, your son would appreciate if you did it, So, especially if you're wearing around the house. Yeah, I'd probably be worse if I was dropping him off at school. But anyway, uh, I wouldn't be allowed. So, although although I kind of dare you to go to the office like that. <laughs> say that as though I haven't. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so moving on, uh, we got what I guess was supposed to be sort of like the prime target for Joe and Cross because it was a little bit back and forth between the two of them, sort of like they do with those prime target specials. They usually do just sort of a shorter version of it. Um, uh, da-da-da-da. Crosses on, and he says that uh, nobody would have stepped in the ring with him if they had known what his true intentions were. Uh, says everything had to fall right into place and at the right time, and that place and time is now. He enjoys hurting people, but someone needed to cause it, and if that's so- and that somebody was him. Uh, Joe says that he's not coming back. Um, Jesus Christ, I don't know what I wrote here. Uh, Joe says he's not coming back. Because coming back is for people who were gone. Good line, actually. Mm. Uh, he says Cross has a big mouth, and he's looking forward to shutting it. Cross asks us if we really know who Joe is and that he's not that different from Cross. 
He says that Joe doesn't want to change things. He wants to control things. And Joe is just another opportunist. And Joe is getting what he always wanted, a second chance. Joe says that it's not about the title. I just want to fuck him up. Love that. I love that part. And they dropped, they, they edited it out, but it was just done really well. Uh, Cross says he's going to make sure change occurs by any means necessary. Um, and that was pretty much the end of it. And it was better than most of the story they have told so far. Yeah. Amazing what editing can do, right? Right. <laughs> but again, no Scarlet. Uh, no, and and that's obviously concerning. But um, no, Joe makes this program. Joe said all the right things here, and Joe did a good job selling this match. Like now, I'm I'm kind of like, all right, yeah, I want to see these. I want to see Joe beat the fuck out of him <laughs> and take the title. So he did a good job. He sold it. John, you in on this? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know I mean, you're not a big Cross fan, but... Definitely not. But, you know, I, I think he's going to lose, which helps. Yeah. Okay. Same. All right. So we will see uh, how that shakes out at prediction time next week. But uh, we then go to break. We come back, and Pete Dunn is making his way out, immediately followed by Dragonov. Now, John... Did you have a different opinion of Dragonov's entrance when he was in his ring gear and full character? It was uh, it was significantly better than okay. the turtleneck, yes. Okay. Uh, still didn't have a chain, though. Uh, basically, we have a mat wrestling clinic here to start things off. Uh, Dragonov comes off the ropes, hits Dunn with a nasty knee. Uh, but I couldn't tell. If, it looked more to me like it was supposed to be a leapfrog, and Ilya just didn't make it under, and he caught his face on Dunn's knee. Uh, in any event, Dick Joseph called it an elbow, so there's that. <laughs> I've heard the phrase, he doesn't know his ass from his elbow, but Joseph apparently doesn't know his knee from his elbow. So, um, and, and the other thing that makes me think it was a fuck-up is because Dunn kicks him in the back really fucking hard afterwards, which is, again, we mentioned it with uh, Dakota earlier, usually a sign something, you fuck something up. Um, big clothesline by Ilya, he goes for the German, but Dunn lands on his feet. Dunn goes for the clothesline, but Ilya does the matrix to avoid it, and Dunn hits the Dunn hits the corner, and Ilya follows him in with a knee. Ilya goes off the second rope, but eats a nasty forearm as we go to break. When we come back, Dunn is still in control. They trade clotheslines and forearms in the center of the ring. Ilya hits a Constantine special, which is basically a six one nine into a wacky line. I, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, was, I mean, at least it wasn't his opponent setting himself up for the move. Right. Fair enough. It was that, I guess, which is better than, than like the wacky line in general. Uh, <laughs> so, Sal, you, you've watched a bunch of Ilya Dragunov, right? Yeah, I've watched okay. a handful of matches. I've seen some of his matches. I haven't seen a ton. This ball sack suplex that he keeps trying to hit, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is specifically, <laughs> um, but yeah. He literally tries to lift him by his ball sack, and he did this on multiple occasions here. Reminds me of the teardrop suplex. No, it's not. The teardrop suplex you lock around the leg, not under the ball sack. Well, I said uh-huh. it reminds me of... <laughs> he, he's, he is sack to taint right up the asshole to get this thing going. That's true. Very strange. I, I don't know. Uh, Ilya goes for the Matrix again, and Dunn has it scouted and just turns and kicks him in the fucking head, <laughs> which I love. 
Uh, Ilya hits a senton, but Dunn spins it into an armbar, at which point Dunn realizes that he grabbed the armbar on the right arm and immediately transitions to the left. Nice. That's one of those little things that you notice after years and years of watching wrestling. Uh, Ilya with a lifting powerbomb, then a forearm, and falls into a cover for two. Uh, Dunn stomps on the fingers, hits the round kick. Uh, Dunn hits the forearm, then Ilya goes for the ball sack suplex again, which is what I'm going to call it from now on. Um, Dunn rolls through and counters back into the cross arm breaker. Uh, Ilya rolls out of the cross arm breaker, then finally hits the ball sack suplex with a bridge this time. Uh, gets only two. Ilya hits a top rope senton. Uh, and as he's looking to finish the battle, uh, Walter arrives. We hear his music and he shows up. Uh, Dunn goes for... The bitter end, but Ilya kicks, basically just flips out of it and kicks him in the fucking head. Uh, Ilya charges Dunn and hits, he hits the forearm into the bitter end for the win. Uh, so before we talk about the aftermatch stuff, uh, what'd you guys think of this match? Uh, up until the finish, I liked it. I wasn't super into the distraction finish, but it was okay. a good match. Okay. Uh, Sal? I liked it. Um, okay. I. What's what I like about Dragunov? He's got that intensity, and it, it meshed really well with Pete Dunne here. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind the finish. I, I kind of okay. thought it protected Dragunov a little bit. So here's my thing, though. The guy who's not on TakeOver beat the guy who's fighting for one of your championships on TakeOver. Anybody because, else have a problem with that? Because, or that that, uh, because the heel showed up and distracted him. And he's a dumb face, and as soon as someone's music hits, he loses all control of his bowels. And fucking everybody in WWE is booked like that. <laughs> I know, and it's dumb. Yeah, it was it was a Seth Rollins thing for like a year. I was yeah. just gonna say, is it a Seth Rollins kind of baby face? Very very true. But yeah, like uh, it's the the fact that like the instant that music hits, they just completely lose their focus and stare down the ramp. It's it's one of the dumbest tropes. To be fair. That's it. Kind of works for Walter's character and Walter's music, though, a little bit better, because it's that he, fucking he has music. That presence. Yeah. yeah, but you're still in a match. Finish the match and then check it out. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. Um, so but he did. Match. He he didn't stop wrestling completely. He was going for the torpedo Moscow, and then it just it was enough that Dunn was able to hook in the bitter end. So. After the match, uh, Walter gets in the ring. Walter fucks him up for a little bit, and then Ilya reverses and hits the Torpedo Moscow, clears Walter out of the ring, grabs the NXT UK Championship, and stands tall as we go off the air. So, Sal, you think uh, Dragunov's taking home that title at TakeOver? I hope so, man. I think I don't think there's much left for Walter to do there. Okay. John, based on your one-match experience with Ilya Dragunov, who do you like at TakeOver? Um, I'll probably predict Dragunov, uh, just okay. on account of the fact that when I don't know, I just predict what I want to happen, and I'm not a big okay. fan of Walter, but I also have no fucking idea. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, that's uh, that's the end of the episode. Guys, overall thoughts on the show before we pick our favorites? I think that cutting the Gargano stuff down a lot would have helped. Like, yeah, lots of lots of promos and skits this week. Yeah, yeah. like I feel, it, I feel like you could have fit two more matches in with less of that stuff. Yeah, and it it would have been welcome because yeah. like the, the wrestling was good. There just wasn't yeah. enough of it. Yeah. Sal, thoughts? Or, yeah, or given some matches more time, even if you don't have more matches, yeah. but just have like longer, better quality matches. I would have been fine with that. 
I don't think we should do the Gargano skits on the same week that we do stuff with um, uh, LA Knight and, and Cameron Grimes. Mm. It's just like it's too much. Um, I thought it was decent, though, at building TakeOver. And I, obviously that's the point mm. for the next week or so. So, right. yeah, No fair. All right, if you guys had 15 minutes and some time to kill and you were looking for one thing to uh, pay attention to off this episode of NXT, uh, besides the classic between L.A. Knight and Andre Chase, uh, <laughs> what would it be? Uh, the main event for me. Like, As much as I like Dakota Kai, uh, there, you know, Sarai brings that down below. Uh. Okay. So? Um, I'm, I'm the same. It's the main event followed uh closely by Dakota Kai because I feel like she's she's positioning herself in a in a good way as the next NXT champ, women's champion. Okay. I am going to say the main event but followed very closely by the entrance of Gigi Dolan. Sure. Oh yeah. That was good. So so that is going to do it for this edition of NXT. Uh guys, any closing thoughts before we uh take this thing home? Uh, I'm happy that Dakota Kai, at least for the moment, seems to not be using the go to kick. Okay. Which is a move that I thoroughly dislike. I don't dislike it so much with the elevated version that she does. It's all, it's almost similar to what Warlow uses in AEW, but a little less um, unsafe. Right. <laughs> um, I'm a fan of Dakota Kai. Everything about yeah. her. So yeah. I, I'm happy that she's she's a focal point right now. I, I like that she's doing, I guess it's essentially a halluva kick, but yeah. right. um, it, it looks good. Yeah. I, I don't really get why EO is down in NXT still. I know uh, We she's, had that conversation on Monday night, uh, Tuesday night, it's the same. Yeah, I feel the same. I way. know she's tag champs with Zoe, but we didn't even get a mention of them this week. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. I well, mean, their la- their last segment was fucking awful, though. Oh yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, but you're going into your biggest takeover of the year, and you have no spot for Yoshirai. That seems kind of yeah. yeah, that's fair, but you know, yeah, but it also means only you has have... so many matches. It's usually the only women's match on Takeover typically has been the women's title. Although they have been working more women's secondary matches into the show, so I guess it's a fair point on your part, though. So. It means you don't get Zoe Stark though, so it's not all bad. That's true too. That's true. Fair point. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of NXT Rundown. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Sal. And uh, good luck with the debut episode of Rampage. We'll all be listening very intently to this week's edition of AEW Rundown, which you guys were rocking a good, like, two and a half hours per show covering one (laughs) two-hour show in BTE. So, Now I'm assuming we're going to get four-hour epics from you and Adam coming soon. So looking forward to that. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be like when we did Double Dynamites. What you should do is have John come on with you, and in true AEW fashion, you can steal someone from WWE Rundown and bring them to AEW Rundown. Ooh. I'll only do that if you release (laughs) them. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Well... I might release around him, but I'm not going to release him. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that is going to do it for this edition of NXT Rundown. We thank you very much. We will be back next week with predictions for TakeOver and our go-home show. Two title matches announced. Should be a very nice episode. So until then, we will see you next week. 
and we will smack you up. No, that's the wrong show. Holy <laughs> shit, it's been a while. We will NXT you next week. See ya. And outro. Yeah. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox Onabotulinum Toxin A prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit RundownWrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at rundownnetwork. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.